Kia ora mai and welcome back to another episode of the Best Side Podcast. Now, Wayne Kappa, or Caps, uh, as he's officially known as sometimes, the first Kaitaki Finua Ranger Fotikahui or Taranaki looking after 30 cultural sites, including many pa, all around the Monga. In addition to that, the Australian-born Māori man shares with us his experience in a uh, growing up in a household that took everyone in and how this shaped him as an adult. From a love of rugby league and community to battles with alcohol and owning his mistakes, Caps' honest account of his life journey until this point will have lessons worth taking for everyone. Now a father of seven, but a role model to many, Caps' reflection of his life bounces forward like the sun off a mirror into a bright and hopeful future for his whānau and community. So we whānau, it is very much my pleasure to bring this episode's uh, guest to you. This is Wayne Kappa right here on the Best Side Podcast, and I'm calling this one Te Kaitiaki, The Guardian. Yeah, so uh, ko Wayne Kappa tuku ingoa, ko Taranaki te mauna. Uh, ko Waitara raua ko Waitotoro te awa. Uh, ko toko maru raua ko Kuraupo te waka. Ko te ate awa raua ko uh, Taranaki te iwi. O te raua, raua ko Ngāti Haupoto te hapu. Uh, ai, ko eri wata te wānau. Uh, me taku hono ki oku tūpuna ka hono rau ki ngā iwi ka toa Taranaki Mauna. Um, so yeah, my name's Wayne, you can call me Caps. <laughs> um, yeah, I whakapapa from, um, from Te Ateawa Taranaki, but I also whakapapa around our Mauna, mm-hmm. to our iwi. Um, so I, I, yeah, I consider myself a, a Udi of Taranaki Maunga. Um, I was born in Australia. I was born in Bondi. Sure. So I'm Bondi Bullet, um, Sydney Roosters all the way. Uh, born, in, born in Bondi, moved home when I was about six months old, I think I was, and then um, raised in Inglewood till I was about eight, and then moved from Inglewood to New Plymouth, yeah, and then until I was about 16 yeah. but that's already mind blow I thought that you spent quite a bit of time growing up out in the dub nah never obviously yeah, that's where your whanau are from yeah, but, yeah. but I thought just maybe I just made that assumption because of your whakapapa and your name perhaps yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Nah, nah, nah we used to spend a bit of time out there but nah never lived there yeah so tell me about that then, bro. That's already an interesting dynamic, being born in Australia, <coughs> but being of New Zealand. Has that presented like a common theme or a bit of banter throughout your life? Oh, hard out. Within the fun, though, it's a bit of a, it's a, bit of a, um, a joke. A few of the uncles in there give me a bit of grief about it. They call you an Australian? Yeah, when they see my passport. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, a lot of people say, you know, uh, you know, they talk about wherever you were born is where you're from, but mm. I don't. See the way I see things is, you're 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 from where you were raised to be the person you are. So I believe you know my upbringing here was what made me to be the person I am. Not because I was born there and I was there for six months. Mm. So yeah, some people say, oh, you're from there, you know, you know. But I yeah, I feel like my upbringing here in Taranaki has helped me. Help create the person I am today, but yeah, I get a bit of grief about it from some <laughs> of the boys. But I, I'm I'm kind of quite lucky because I'm best of both worlds, I suppose. You know, um, and and some of my kids are the same too. They're born over there, but are back here now. So, um, 
Yeah. I'll ask that because I have a lot of those themes as well, bro, throughout my life where like there's kind of these polars or different things happening for me. And at the time, like I'm getting a bit of shit, like especially when I was younger. And I'll admit at the time it sucks. So like an example that I know I've already shared with you because of our hikoi in the weekend mm. was that um, like I'm born and raised here, but I don't really have any whakapapa here. Yeah, yeah. And so that's in the past, it's always kind of felt like um, like it works against me I guess but then you actually kind of grow up to find out that it works in your favour it sounds like that's what you're going through with Mate, with your own stuff yeah most definitely even like you know I was brought up um, uh, with my dad's side of the whanau so my mum was from South Auckland so I, you know I obviously got cousins up there as well but I was kind of raised with all my dad's whanau who are, who are Māori um, and, and I kind of even felt that so when I, when I was a young fella um, you know we used to go out to Marudau Patu, out to Owai, out to Pariaka, out to these different marae. But I never felt at home at one. Um, and it wasn't at the time I always wondered why I didn't feel... You know how some people have their, their marae? You, yeah. know, you know that's our tūranga waiwai, our papakainga. Um, I didn't, never had that as a kid because we, we, we so often went to different marae. Mm. Um, so I never felt a true place of belonging, like a pou, you know, in the whenua. Um, but now I know why we were like that. You know, as I've gotten older and I've researched my whakapapa and stuff like that, now I know why through my grandmother we link right around the maunga. So I, now I understand why it was like that. Um, and we could go to different marae and go, oh, you know. So, so at the time it was quite hard when I was young to feel like I fit in. But now I know. Yep. So it's, it's kind of like exactly like what you're saying. It's funny, eh, right? It's, it's almost like from what you're saying, from what I'm gathering from it, is that you felt like you didn't belong to a single place, but then you've grown up to realise you belong to everywhere? Yeah, 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 most definitely. All around our mountains. So like now it feel, I feel at home wherever I go, mm. if that makes sense. Hard. So, yeah. It's still like, you know, obviously you yearn for that one place that you can kind of call home. And, you know, we, yeah. Which I know you're in the motions yeah, of, yeah, yeah, we so. might be able to talk about, we might yeah, not yeah. be able to, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, no, we can talk about that, but that's, um, you know, so that's exciting too, because then I can give my grandchildren, my kids, my grandchildren an opportunity not to have that same feeling I felt when I was young, you know. And that's important to you, right? Like that kind of legacy to leave behind? Most definitely. A yeah. place that, you know, for generations to come, that they can, they can call home, that they can relate to if they move to the other side of the world they always know they come home to that place that that's important to me that's real important it's been important to me since i was a young fella mm. i've always envisioned that one day i would have that for for my my kids i wonder if that comes just like in retrospect from us speaking i wonder if that comes from you kind of not feeling that when you were younger so you wanted to make sure like they're going to make sure most they're going to know yeah most definitely well even with me see i didn't have a brother growing up right so and I had a small family, it's just me and my sister Jenna. Mm. Um, and I've got another sister now, um, Maya. Um, but growing up, you know, I always envied these families that have brothers and sisters. <laughs> and, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, yeah for it, sure. It was always something I, I yearned for because I never had, I never had, you know, I've got my brothers that are my best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My brothers. But to have. Dub CT. Yeah, Dub CT. <laughs> <all day. laughs> I'm going to talk about that later. <laughs> but, um, you know, to have my own brother. I always wished I had a brother, so I, you know, I envisioned when I was younger that one day I would have a few kids, and I've got a few kids now. You know, <laughs> got so a few I've kids, got brothers bro. and sisters, and you know, so these things as a young fellow I thought of have all, and then this is what I, you know, even with our hikoi in the weekend, I've, I've always been a big believer in, you know, like whatever your thoughts are manifest in the reality, whether they're positive or negative. If you think about it enough, it'll happen. And I used to think about that stuff all the time. Mm. 
So it's all kind of, it's all paving on. So when you were younger, thinking about that stuff, did you ever have anyone you could talk to about it? Or was it stuff that you just had to internalise and kind of... just did it all in here. So how... All like, the time. So you always just thought about... All the time. The yeah. things like... And that's why, like, I, working with the rangatahi now in, in our space and <coughs> sports and stuff like that, I, I try to help them with that stuff too. To, to like to envision what their future is and, and to, to continuously think it over because I've found in my life anything good or bad that's happened in my life has been stuff that I've thought about a lot good or bad yep. literally everything I've wanted to do I've kind of done or I'm doing and any mistakes that I have made is stuff I've thought about or worried about so I try yeah, the power of the mind I suppose in terms of you know Envisioning what you want to do, where you yep. want to go, with, uh, positive or negative. And so, because uh, uh, that's the sort of thing I guess I'd refer to as manifestation or manifesting. Yeah. So, is that something you've always like been aware of, or is it something you like as you've gotten older, quote unquote, growing up, or is it something you've learned? You're like, fuck, actually, I was in control that whole time. Yeah. Or did you know, all right, if I do this, I'm going to do this, like from a young age. I think I think as I've become older, I've become more aware of it. But looking back, I was actually aware of it as a kid, but I never... Yep, kind of articulated it. Yeah, life heads you down different journeys, eh? Yeah. You know, so when I was younger, and I look back now to those things, I was very observant when I was younger. At the time, I didn't think anything of it. But when I, th- I think back now, when I was a little kid around the marae, or listening to the kui and the koro, like, I was actually listening and observing everything that was happening. So... Yeah, at the time I didn't, it's kind of, now I'm going, ah, it all mm. makes sense now, you know what I mean? Yeah. Funny, eh, when you start kind of making sense and like, I mean, it's, it's real corny to say the whole things happen for a reason, but yeah. then when you look back and you make sense of it, it, it that kind of stands out. It does, big time, and there's, yeah, there's things that have been happening that are, yeah, they're, they're meant to happen like that, eh, you know, certain things pave the way for you or they put a, a roadblock up in front of you for a purpose, you know, so yeah. this year. Yes, yeah. good and the bad, eh? We're all meant to go through that journey, mm. you know, and it's all life's teachings help us grow. Tell me about um, school, bro. So did you go to Kura out in Inglewood yep. since you were living in there, out there to begin with? Yep, so I was at um, Kohanga out there first, um, out at the Kohanga in Inglewood, uh, Inglewood Kindergarten. I went to Inglewood Primary till I was eight. Went to Inglewood Primary, which was cool. Had, had some good times back then. Um, and then when we moved into town, I went to St. Joseph's. And from St. Joseph's to Devon Intermediate, uh, which is, Devon was the place where I really met my lifetime friends, really. Like, um, that, was, that was probably my best school years at Devon. And then went from there to Francis Douglas for three years. And then um, uh, mum and dad parted ways, and I ended up, um, ended up going to um, St. Stephen's up in South Auckland which was a childhood dream of mine. Mine, I'd always wanted to go there, everything about it, culture, sports. And the Bombay Hills there? Bombay Hills, loved it. So I, went up. I don't even remember that. Yeah, yeah, no, I left. Because my old man went there. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I, fucking, I yeah. didn't even realise you yeah, went there too. Yeah, no, no, I went there. I was only there for, I think it was about eight or nine months. And then um, I'd always dreamt, it costed a, you know, it cost a bit of money. Um, and mum and dad finally sent me there. And then when I went there, they split up. Mm. And so Dad moved to Aussie, and he kind of he asked me, he said, "Son, you know, can you can you come over to Aussie with me?" And I didn't really, I wanted to say it since Stevens because I loved it there, but I went and supported Dad, and so I ended up over at Capalaba High School, which is in um, uh, you know, a place called Capalaba, just south of Brisbane, and finished my schooling there when I was 
just turning 17, 16, 17. Tell me about school then, bro, because like, you're one of the rare people, I guess, that I talk to about school and their face actually lights up for change. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you, your face lit up when you talked about school, so you've got some pretty fond memories then, oh, eh? Oh, Yeah, no, no, I've got some good memories. Good mem- like right from the start, right from Englewood. I remember we lived on a street called Kornini Street for all the Englewood crew out there. We'll probably know Kornini Street. And, um, yeah, I, I just still remember it. To this day, all the fun that I used to have there. Then went to St. Joseph's. St. Joseph's was a cool little school. Uh, one of my best mates, Vince, um, he was at St. Joseph's, so, you know, come right through schooling with, with Vince, my mate Vince. Um, Comrade Smith was at St. Joseph's with us, and a few other, few other crew. Um, That's St. Joseph over in town, right next to Devon. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, went to St. Joseph's. That was good. That was a good school, St. Joseph's. And then I uh, got up to all my mistress stuff once I went to Devon. <laughs> <laughs> Went from this little Catholic school, you know, all good goody two shoes to oh, here we go. So um, went to Devon, and um, that's pretty much where I met all my closest friends today. Are all from Devon, yeah. And a little, you know, little crew that we've all kind of kept together for years, and they're actually on a phone call at the moment. Actually, they have a like a video chat. Oh, crew meetup. Yeah. Oh, I'm making you miss out, bro. Sorry, bro. <laughs> no, no, did you tell them? Did you tell no, them? I said that was ringing when I come in. I was like, oh shit, oh, they can wait. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, met all, met all my, my good bros there, your brother was one of them, um, yeah, Tukaha and Michael and Khan and yeah, all our crew. Um, mischief fellas. Mischief fellas, <laughs> man, for, uh, we were mischief. Tell me about, like, because, <coughs> did you guys all live in the same area yeah. too? Oh, you did, okay. Yeah, yeah. so we all lived in, um, like, Mar- around Marama Clears, South Road, Spotswood, there was a couple of boys, I think Khan was up by the hospital. Couple of boys in Marfell, but we're all around Spotty area. Mm. Yeah, so that was our little kind of our little. So, so it, was a, it sounds like would have been a bike gang, right? You already cruised oh. to each other's houses and bikes, or was it all by nah, foot? No, nah, we had bikes. We had bikes and by feet. We used to. That's why I tell my kids now. Like we used to walk like everywhere or bike everywhere without hesitation. You know, now everyone needs a ride everywhere. Yeah, but um, they were great days. Like Spotswood was such a good little area to grow up in. Like. It was, it's a bit different now. I feel it's a little bit different. The community's not as probably not as tight as it once was. Mm. Like I feel like back in those days, everyone knew everyone. I feel like honestly, man, like not to be cynical, but I kind of feel like that's community in general. Like I like you know, for example, if I if I remember like if I saw your mum or whatever at the supermarket, and I was being a dick, she would growl me in front of everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. that does, shit doesn't really happen anymore. Nah, nah, it's different. Like you know how how like back in those days, it's it's a whole community helps raise a child. Eh. Mm. It's a little bit different now, well, I feel anyway. Yeah. And I see it like sometimes even down the league club. Like I remember back in the days, like, you know, when a prem game was on or something, like the whole community would be down there, you know, and you kind of don't see that stuff as much anymore. Yep. Um, sometimes I wonder it's because there's no not many pubs around anymore. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> because Could like be. when you think about it as much as, you know, pubs aren't a good thing, alcohol's not a good thing, it was every suburb had their own kind of watering hole. Yep. And and the whole community used to mingle and, you know, catch up there. Like, even my dad was saying, you know, in his day, like the Namotu Tavern and the Breakwater and... and the the Breakey. Yeah, the Breakey, <laughs> the West Town. But these were places that would bring the whole community together. So you get a quite a tight community feel. And, and they've been gone a long time now. So I, I don't know whether that's part of it as well. Just, you know, 
being able to go somewhere where you can just chat with your neighbours? But 100%, like, I reckon that's it. Like, it's not necessarily a pub, but it's just a, a common area, a yeah, common oh, place, a place to catch up and catch do up. something. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, so like maybe it could be easily probably replaced, like, with a gym or something where people could just meet up. But, I mean, if you think about where we, you're saying we used to go to, like down to the domain and things like that and hang out. There's not much happening at these places nah, anymore. So nah. no one's really inspired to go and hang out. Or there's no reason to go nah. hang out there, you know, whether it's a bingo night or just a sausage sizzle or, or whatever, there's there's not much happening in these places. No, nah, there isn't. And then like I look at like I look at something like Ngamotu Domain, right? Like it's it's a big venue, it's central to that whole area. And like, you know, after spending some time in Australia and see how their communities work over there, we, we've just got a, it's pretty much a white elephant sitting there. Mm. And it like, for the community could be so much more going like, you know, there's, a, there's funding out there to really pump up places like that. You know, we're in an area, Marfell, Spotswood, that, you know, is, is um, the lower, what do you call it? Lower Desile, yeah. Desile top, you know, so to, to get that funding in there and to have that place thriving day in, day out with different, whatever it is, you know, different sports, different events, different, there's real opportunity. I'd seen it when I went to Wellington for, for Mahi one day, I went down to Porirua and Ngāti Toa had a, um, had a, like a, um, uh, like a, a central place where they had a, a medical centre, they had a free gym, they had the, the marae next door, they had um, uh, social services, like all in one area and it was kind of like a, a central place where everyone would come. Yeah. And it was packed with kids bro in the gym, like young kids just going through it and, you know, and I just thought, ah, wouldn't that be great in our community? So just things like that, you know, because we don't have those things of the past. You know, the, the, the old pubs that bring all the dads and the mums together, <laughs> yeah, yeah. All, all the big sports days anymore. So, yeah, I suppose the community's changed a little bit in Tiger Town. Um, I mean, there's still a little bit of that feel there, but it's not, it's not what it once was. So. Yeah. yeah. I'll play the bad guy here, bro. Say there'll be someone listening right now that'll be going, fucking do it then, babe. Like, you know, so how do you respond to that? That is one of those things, I suppose. you just got to... It's great to have ideas, but you've got to do the mahi, eh, and, mm. and make it happen. And it is possible. It's just about getting the right people in the right spaces to do it. It's it's something that I've kind of wholeheartedly, I'm not going to lie, I've wholeheartedly th- thought about, but it's like anything, eh, you can only do so much when you're involved with so much. Yep. So, um... Because you are a fellow that struggles to say no to shit, right? Oh, I'm shocking, <laughs> I'm shocking bro. And, and, it, and it's it, I'm my own worst enemy because I spread myself thin mm. and then I, I probably don't do as good as a job as I, as I could do if I focused on just a couple of things. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I can't help myself. If people ask for help, I, I try and ask you and support, eh? So, yeah. But I mean, yeah, something like that, bro, I've thought about it. I'm like, man, that'd be cool. That'd be cool for our community. Yeah. I feel like this won't be the last time that you and I talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> so, so. <laughs> when moving to Aussie, you mentioned that, how you yeah. went to Total Call Your Dad. Tell me about that experience. Yeah, so that was, um, yeah, like I said, I didn't really want to go. I wanted to stay at, um, at Hatotipane, but, um, it was cool, bro. It was cool. Like, you go over there because you're, like, the centre of attention. It's, like, Kiwi kids at school, you know, and there's all these Aussies. and like, hey, new Kiwi kid. Because back then, like, there was Kiwis, but not as many as now. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was, like, a big deal. So it was quite cool being the centre of attention. But it was different, eh? It was, um, yeah, it was, I, I, I didn't really enjoy it that much. At school there, I didn't really enjoy it. I had, like, some good friends and that, but I didn't really enjoy it much. I missed home a lot. Um... And I wasn't... Because how old were you, sorry, bro? 16. Yeah. And I'm not much of a school fella anyway. Like, I never really got into school. It wasn't... Like, I, I enjoyed going to catch up with my mates, but in terms of education, I was more of a hands-on type fella. Mm. So, um, 
yeah, I didn't really enjoy it that much. And then my uncle offered me a job down in, in uh, Sydney, in Cronulla. So I moved from, from Brisbane down to Cronulla and I started started scaffolding pretty much. I just turned 17, I think it was. Yeah, started scaffing and moved from there. So um, oh, so you started it, everyone getting into scaffing in Aussie. Nice, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was a few years ago. But in fact, whenever I, go, when I was living in Aussie, yeah. um, everyone would be like, oh, so what are you, in, are you scaffy or security? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, two, two things they put you in. Which one yeah. are you? I'm like, bro, I don't know either. They're yeah, like, nah, yeah. come on, man. Are you a scaffy <laughs> or are you in security? Like, yeah. Which one is it? Hard yeah. It was quite good because scaffolding is like real good money mm. and you don't need like a full trade behind you. So you can get into it. You can go and get your tickets over there in like two weeks. I think it might have changed now. But you could get your full license in two weeks and then you're getting paid the same as some dude that's done it 30 years. You know, so it was it was a good um, foot in the door for yep. a lot of Kiwis coming over to Australia. Good money. Um, and the bros just like seem to as soon as a job pops oh. up right there on the blower they're like bro apply for this get in here like get over here like that's one awesome thing about being from New Zealand yeah. is that we all everyone looks up. after each other so it's like a it's like a roll on effect like my uncle helped me then I help someone else then they help someone and just so like heaps of boys that are over there now <laughs> like you know through the through the cycles have all come through like all the boys that have been over there so like sounds like a network marketing it, it is <laughs> like straight up you just get the cousins in and um like when we went to perth me and i removed to perth after a while like we were, there was only a couple of family members over there of ours by the time we left like seven years ago fuck, half our family was over there you know like it was mean it was yeah. mean and then you left them behind yeah then, but some are coming <laughs> home now <laughs> so then um, you mentioned Ari bro so let's touch on that how did you guys meet yeah so we met uh, where did we meet we met at um, we met she was she had moved down from Huntley and she was on a, a Māori performing arts course up at uh, Rangiate mm-hmm. and I, obviously I lived across the road so I was at I was at um, South Road corner of South Road and Pioneer uh, and then I actually met her through uh, she was going with my mate Tukaha oh classic <laughs> The classic, they were seeing my mate hook up. Yeah. Ah, oh, bro, she's ugly. <laughs> Planting the seed. <laughs> Those ones. And then uh, they ended up finishing up, and I think it might have been, I don't know, months, six months later or whatever. I just, um, uh, I think it was me and, me and my cousin Holly we were, we were in town, and we went past this bar, and her and some of the other girls were in there, and then we are like, bro, let's go and get showered up, we'll come back and pretend. You know, How old were you in this? I was only like 15. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it was like, it was because it was my cousin's function that was on at the moment. At the time, it was it was just here, Top Town. Oh, yeah? Just down there used to be the, where the, um, the, the Kai places on the corner. Yeah, that used Sh- to be a little Shakers bar. Shakers or something? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, was it? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember what it was called, yeah. but it was in there. And, um, and then, yeah, I, I went in there and it's there. Rest is history. <laughs> I see you end up hooking up with her that yeah, night, and then yeah, but her on. dad took her away because she found out she was pregnant. But uh, she wasn't actually pregnant to me; she was pregnant to someone before mm-hmm. me. And then um, so her dad got peed and took her back to Huntley. And so uh, so she came down here for course, but they ended up staying. Yeah, she ended up staying. She was on course, and then she fell pregnant, and then her dad was spewing because he sent her down here for a course. So he came down and took her back. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then um, so I kind of tried to chase her and it didn't work out, and I ended up um, yeah, that's when I ended up over in Aussie. Yeah. Oh, to go with her. Yeah. So no, she. No, 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 So because this was when I was down here before I went to St Stephen's. Oh yeah, yeah. And then um, she got taken away just before I went to St Stephen's. Uh, yeah. And then I was at St Stephen's, and then I ended up moving to Aussie after St Stephen's. So then, how did you come oh, back together? So we come because um, my oldest daughter, I ended up like 
hooking up with someone and then this is between yeah between yeah. times and then I had my oldest daughter and then I came back when I found out I had a daughter back here yeah well she was about to be born I, I flew back from Aussie to meet my daughter and then I flew, I just got in the day my daughter was born and then that was in Hamilton and then I um and then I uh yeah then I met my daughter and I tried to work it out with her mum but I didn't really know her mum very well and we were together for a while and then um that kind of finished, and then me and Ari got back together after that, and been together ever since. Yeah. How old were you when you became a father? Uh, sixteen, yes, yeah, sixteen. Six, sixteen turned seventeen. Yeah. So sixteen-year-old find, oh yeah, sixteen-year-old yeah. man finds out he's going to be a dad. What happens? Oh, to be honest, my first thought straight away was I want to see baby, like I wanted to come home. I wanted to be by my baby. You know, like, because I'd seen a couple of my mates kind of like, you know, like, oh, nah, not my baby. Nah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I was like, nah, man, that's your flesh and blood. So I was like, I was on the first plane home, really, as soon as, like, I found out. So how long did you, like, did you find out between, like, like, how long? Not, not, not far, like, it was, I think it was, like, two or three months before. Oh, then, okay. And then I jumped on a plane and, and came home. Yeah, and got, pretty much got back, yeah, when she was, yeah, when she was born. And how did you meet... Your first daughter's uh, mum, just, just a night out. Yeah, random. Yep. Yeah, random night, yeah. Sweet, and like, what's your relationship like these days? Yeah, no, it's good. Like, it's, it's been challenging, eh? Having yep. a blended family, it, sometimes it's, it's it's tough. And so me and Ari left. Um, so my daughter, my oldest daughter, McCoy, and Ari's oldest daughter, Rangi Puawai, um, we left when we were young. So we went to Aussie, me and Ari left, and they stayed back here. With so, their other parents, yeah, or so, so yeah. my daughter's mum, Makoya, moved from Hamilton to New Plymouth to be close to my mum and that who was living here. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ari's daughter, <coughs> Rangi Puawai, um, was raised by a grandmother on her dad's side, and it was it was out of it because they actually went to Devon Intermediate together. The two girls did the same age. Oh shit! And so when we used to come back for holidays, and because uh, Rangi Puawai's quite a bit darker complexion and Makoya's fair complexion. Me and my wife would come and pick them up, and then all the kids would be like scratching their head, like, "Hey, how can you be sisters?" When da, da, da. Yeah, you're trying to put it together. <laughs> you're trying to put it together. It's cracker though. Like that yeah. happened. Like I don't understand. It happened a lot, right? But it does. Like if you get two, two siblings who don't necessarily look the same straight away, people are like, "Okay, yeah, what the hey, fuck's going on here?" Yeah, yeah, so they're keeping them guessing. But um, they were raised back here. So while we when we moved to Australia, so you know once I got back with Ari, um, we moved to Australia. Yeah. And they were raised back here, so me and Ari spent a lot of our time over there. And it wasn't until we came back seven years ago that we actually, you know, we actually spent some proper time with them. Mm. Um, Rangi Poorway had a little bit of uh, time with us in Australia. She moved over with us for a year or two, um, but McCoy didn't. So we, when we moved home, I think they were 15, 15 at the time when we moved home. What are they now? Yeah, they were 15 when we moved home. So we spent their kind of the last two or three years at high school with them when we first moved back seven years ago. Mm. And when you come home to spend that time with them, like, was there any sort of, I guess the word might be, like, animosity? Like, was there, like, were they kind of, like, well, I can imagine me being a teenager or whatever, if my parents were in Aussie and not around, I'd probably be partly fucked off. Was there any, any of that yeah, going on? Yeah, no, there, there, there was, you know, and that, that's not, that's not their fault. That's, that, you know, they're not to blame for that. That's, um... That's part and parcel with, I suppose, the decision we made to move to Australia. We were, we were kids ourselves, eh, you know, when they were born. Mm. And, and we didn't feel at that time that we were ready to have that responsibility um, for whatever reasons at the time. Um, 
so there was you know there was a bit of animosity um and to, to some degree you know there's probably always going to be um that we weren't in, in their lives as much as we should have been um especially me in terms of uh being in contact keeping in contact in that when i was young and, and I, probably, I had a bit of a dark patch in my life where I, it was all about me. I don't really give two hoots about anyone else or anything. So, you know, there was a lot of wasted time there that I didn't keep in contact like I should have. And, and I have to live with that. You know, I have to live with that. And Saturday was part of that healing to, to let that go. And to, um, yeah, just realise that I was, I was young myself. I was still trying to find my feet, you know. Yeah, fuck. Um, so, but it, you know, when looking back, it's like, oh man, wish I had done this. Shoulda, coulda, woulda. But it is what it is, and that's that's how, yeah, life played out. You mentioned. Um, I'm interested to know, bro. I, to be honest, I've always wondered this, and I've kind of always wanted to ask you about this sort of stuff because I see it happen with my friends, um, and I see it, yeah, just uh, happening with a lot of people in my life. Um, you mentioned the whole thing with with your daughters having different complexions and stuff like that. Mm. Now yourself. You're pretty fair. Mm. Did that ever contribute or play out or bring up anything when you were growing up? Like, so for example, I have friends who are fairer than some of us, and mm. sometimes they're like, like, they used to get told things when we were like 12, 13, like, you're not mouldy, like, yeah. look at you. Did you ever go through any of that oh, shit? Yeah, hard out. Heaps, heaps. Like, there was always um, uh, hidden hurts inside me from that, you know? Like, I always used to kind of question, hmm, how come I'm like that? You know, like, some of my cousins were darker complexion and I wasn't but so when I was younger and I was more unaware of the whys um, yeah it used to hurt me man like you know certain comments I used to get and people would think think it was just a laughing matter but little did they know it was actually kind of eating me up all yeah. those little comments that would be made um, but I think like as I got older it's like anything eh? as you get older you start to realise hey man I'm me who gives a hoot what I what colour I am or what thing, I'm, I'm me, whether you like it or not. And I think I become more confident in myself and who I was and, and my whakapapa journey helped me with that, um, realising who I was. Because, um, I, I, you know, like, I'm a New Zealander, I'm a Kiwi, I feel, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be Māori, I'm proud to be Māori and I, um, that the older I've got, I've just, yeah, I just, I feel comfortable with who I am. But it was tough. It was tough when I was younger. And was there anyone you could speak to about that? Like, because there would have been other people in your life, right, that were maybe going through the same thing? Mm. Or maybe even, did even you and your sister talk about that sort of stuff? Because she probably went through it too. Yeah, my, I, remember, I remember my sister going through it as well. I remember her having some hard times actually with it. Um, but it's, it's funny, it's funny, and you've raised it a couple of times already about who did I talk to stuff about, and when I look back, I didn't talk to anyone. Mm. And, you know, that gets me thinking, and I haven't really thought about that before, but it, it gets me thinking about, you know, our kids of today. What are they not talking about? You know what I mean? Yep. So it's good, it's good that you've raised that. But no, I didn't talk to people about that stuff. I kept it to myself. Mm. And maybe that's why I had a lot of, un, you know, a lot of hidden... Hidden hurts and hidden demons inside me that I didn't know about because, yeah, it's something that used to eat me up. But, yeah, as I got older and, like, you know, people that I've met, like, when I'd go to Aussie, like, you meet people and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, you're bloody, yeah, you know. <laughs> just, just like the way I'd talk. Or, yeah, 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 yeah. And then you could, then you'd kind of fit in, all right, you know. But, um. Just got to open the mouth, eh? Yeah, yeah, first yeah, appearance. Just have a chat yeah. and then they're like, oh, yeah. But um, yeah, he's one of us. He's one, one of us. us. He's one of us. <laughs> but we've talked. Uh, you mentioned as well about your parents splitting up. 
did that have a profound impact on you growing up or I'd like to think it didn't but I think it did yeah yeah um yeah, I'd like to think it didn't, but it, it did. It did hit me hard, you know, knowing that, you know, mum and dad were parting ways and, you know, mum had a different partner and dad had a different partner. All those, you know, all those little things that they, they, as a kid, especially I think in, in those teenage ages, eh, like when you're at that age where you're find, trying to find yourself, you know, you're going through that testosterone change and puberty and all that, yeah. You're all over the place, and I look at my kids now, and I've seen it as a father now. That the ch- is it funny to watch? Like oh, not 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 funny, haha, but funny peculiar. Oh, like like oh, because <laughs> yeah, Dad always used to say to me, "Oh, you'll see. You wait till you have kids. You'll know what." And that like, and that's what I said to my kids. I say, "Oh, you'll know. Your time will come." But um, at that time when you're you know between 13, 15, 16, you're really up and down, eh? You know, you're you're all over the place in terms mm-hmm. of your your mindset and. I think when something like that happens, a splitting or a parting of ways happens, it really hits you a bit harder. I think at that age, mm. so I took it. I took it a bit. I took it a bit hard. And so, when I was at Tipeni, when Mum and Dad split, when I was at Tipeni, it was quite a good space for me to be in because I was by myself and I, I kept myself occupied. If you know what I mean, and that's why I liked it. Yeah. Easy to have a bit of escapism, maybe yeah, not well, be in the yeah, in was, the wars with the whanau, so to speak. Hard out. I'm not. I'm not there at the coalface of what's going on. Oh, I was actually with another group of young men my age that were potentially going going through the same things. You know, we're all out there alone at the school, so it was quite good for my independence, I suppose. And I think that's what yeah, what I learned quite young is is when we went. You know, and I started in the workforce not long after that as well. So from that breakup. Although it was quite tough at the time, it, it probably, in, in some respects, it kind of made me, made me who I am at a very young age. You know, having a child young, having my mum and dad split up at a young age, and being in the workforce so young. You know, so I had to learn to grow up a bit. You know, and I was still a kid; I was still doing stupid things, but I had to kind of grow up in some, you know, certain ways. So, yeah. Yeah. So I took it hard at the time, but um, as you get older, eh, it's. Yeah, I think the thing I found most hard is my, my mum ended up having my little sister later on in life, and she's younger than my kids. Ah. So I was like, oh, that hit me hard. I was yeah. like, so my kids oh, are going to have an auntie yeah. that's younger than them. <laughs> that one hit me pretty hard. I struggled with that at first. Yeah, that was pretty hard. But you're okay with it now? Ah, no, it's all. This what, one, this what, do you, what do you think is different? Like what? What? What has? Because obviously something's changed in you, right? Because the situation hasn't changed. Yeah, no. But your perspective changed. What yeah. do you think that is? I, I don't know. I just, I just suppose I. I just reckon, like, that's life. Mm. Like, move on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I wonder if you stopped making it about you, bro, and that's kind of... Oh, uh, and, yeah, no, you're right. You probably are right there because I, I felt like, um, you know, having children and, and, and my children for their grandparents, that they should, you know, the, 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 the focus for the grandparents should be on the mukhals. Ah. And then when the sister comes along, they can, you know, the focus can be... Put on my sisters instead of my my children, you know. Mm. So there was there there probably thinking back, and, and I'm glad you touched on that point. Yeah, that that was probably one of the reasons I was a bit like that. But um, I'm, I'm interested. Let's let's go like, um, let's talk about your kids a little bit. Go from let's go from oldest to youngest. If you can say their name, how old they are. Yeah. If you're comfortable with doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, cool. And just um, 
Uh, tell us a little bit about them. Yeah. So I'll, I'll give you their names first. So Rangi Poorwai is the oldest. She's 22. Mm-hmm. McCoy is um, second. She's 21. Uh, Anahira, uh, she's 19. Um, uh, Tayora, he's 18. Uh, Tiana, Tiana is 15, turning 16 soon. Uh, Kahu, Kahu is 14. And Tipene is 9. Sweet. Yeah, seven. <laughs> you know, making sure you got them all yeah, right? Yeah, seven. So tell us a little bit, like, what are some crack-up things, bro, that you're noticing about your kids and, I guess, some stories and stuff and what they've taught you as a man and as a father? Yeah. Uh, the good thing about, like, having heaps of kids is they're actually all uniquely different. And I love it. I love it how they're different. They've got their own kind of little little ways and little personalities, which is really, really cool. Um, and it's out of it when you think of the difference in personalities, you know. Like, our kids coming from mum and dad, and, but they're all so different in their own way. It's kind mm. of like, you think about it as a parent, like, oh, that's pretty cool, you know. Um, but they're, they're awesome kids, bro. They, um, our older ones have been through a bit, eh? You know, like, when we were young parents, you know, there was a lot of alcohol, a lot of parties, a lot of me time a lot of you know the focus wasn't really on our kids as much as it should have been being young parents and being an Aussie with big money and all that kind of jazz so they've had it a bit tougher um so Anahita and Tyler have had a lot a lot tougher than the younger kids um and I kind of see that in them sometimes you know um how so like what what stands out uh sometimes you feel like you know I suppose it's all part and parcel of, of being young and growing up, but, you know, I, I don't hear from my son a hell of a lot. You know, he's out there doing his thing, like I did when I was young. So I kind of wonder, you know, with the little bit of the distant stuff of maybe the, the harder life they've had when they were younger might, you know... Might have contributed. Contributed to that. Um, also for my daughter, Anahita, you know, she's had some she's had some tough and rough times. But to her credit, she's oh, she's flipped her whole life around. She's, she's doing amazing at the moment. Um, and we've become a lot closer for it. But there were some, you know, some periods there where she was really struggling. And I believe it was due to the stuff that they had to go through when they were a bit younger. Um, <clears throat> Makoi and Lungi Puawai, the two older girls, obviously were raised here and only spent a small amount of time with us. But they're going really well. Lungi Puawai is over working in the mines in Western Australia. Oh, sweet. So she's doing really good. She's really, um, she's really quite driven in what she wants to do. And she's she's real independent in that, so she's going really good. And my daughter, McCoy's just had a, a baby not long ago, so I'm like, <laughs> So, yeah, she... How's that, bro? She, yeah, it's just mean. Yeah, different. Yeah, it's different, you know, like, ooh, start, you know, a few extra grey hairs, start... <laughs> Got to think a bit differently. But she's going good, too. She's she's up in... She's, in, she's a mean mum. She's an awesome mum. Um... So she's up in Hamilton at the moment. My son, Tyler, has actually just moved up with her. He's got a building apprenticeship. He's starting soon up there in Hamilton. So he's up there. That's the older ones. Then I've got Tiana. She's the 16-year-old, uh, 15, turning 16, and she's the real home homely girl. She's the one that likes cooking and likes baking, and she's just like your ultimate like little mummy like sidekick. I mean. She's cool. Um, so her and Ari are pretty tight? Yeah, they're tight ass. She's, like, she's a power with Ari. And Kahu's kind of like my power. He just sticks to me wherever I go. He's like fanatic rugby league. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> exactly like I was when I was young. And more so. He's more so. He's just like head over heels about the game. Um, 
So he trains like he, he trains hard, does his own, wakes up in the morning, goes for a run by himself. And Me, like, how old is he? He's just turned fourteen. Yeah. Fuck, he's yeah. pretty driven. Eh? That's epic. He's pretty driven. He's Dad doesn't cool. go for a run with him. Oh yes, I take him to the gym. I take him the last month. I've been hopeless, but before that, yeah, I go to the gym most mornings with them and that. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's really driven. He knows what he wants to do, uh, and he's a good boy too. Uh, and then there's Tipani, who's a little one, and he's just like spoiled rotten, bro. All the other kids get peed off with him because he's like he gets everything. <laughs> <laughs> is he diva ass too? Like, a, is he like a bit of a diva about yeah, it as well? Like, yeah, if he doesn't yeah. get something, is he? Oh, <laughs> and if he has to do something, oh. <laughs> and then the older kids are like, "See, he gets away with everything." They'd be like, they go like, "Get him." Tipani, did you know we used to do the dishes at like five years old and you don't even know how to do them and you're nine? <laughs> so there's a bit of that going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's always going to be there, eh? Like yeah, yeah. throughout the generations. Oh, a, but we, we went through that with our youngest brother when our little brother come along. Yeah, but then, yeah, yeah. But then it, they kind of flipped a bit because then they moved back to the East Coast yeah, and yeah, he yeah. was by himself. Yeah. So he had to do a had lot of shit yeah, yeah. and we were all over here like <laughs> doing nothing, so to speak, you know, so <laughs> he's had to do a lot of stuff. So yeah. I can't bag my little brother out too yeah. much for that. So we only got three at home now. Uh, four, four have got their own places and that, but we've taken in a couple. So um, I've got my nephew living with me. Uh, he's part of our rugby league academy and then another boy from South Auckland that's living with us too, who's, who's down for the academy so our house is always full bro yeah nephews and nieces and all sorts before we move into like the academy and like your um your mahi with rangatahi and your sort of your whangai-esque uh stuff you got going on at home but i do wonder um and this has just come to me during our corridor i do wonder like because you like i hope you're comfortable with me saying this like you're there for a lot of young cats right yeah and you, you probably know that sometimes when people say things like this, you just think oh i'm just doing what everyone else would do but but you are there for a lot of young people did you have a lot of people that like weren't your weren't your immediate family or whatever that were like that with you when you were younger yeah, yeah so <clears throat> i think i think i get that from my mum and especially my mum and my dad but especially my mum so our house was at um on the corner of South Road and Pioneer Road. So I had all my bros over at Marta McCree's, over by Back Beach, all my other bros over Marfell, and our place was like the central point. Mm. So my mum and dad were like real hard working, right? My dad would work away, he worked on the ships and down on the ferries and on the boats and stuff, so he was away a lot of the time. And my mum used to, they used to own Hatter's Restaurant. <clears throat> oh, true. Yeah, so that was, back in the days, that was like one of the main restaurants in town. So my mum would work massive hours, so they were both hard working. Wayne's at home playing up. Yeah, no, no, no. Play, yeah, literally, <laughs> literally. But they used to take in any of the kids because all my mates, like, not all my mates, but a lot of my mates were from, you know, um, tough homes. Well, the neighbourhoods you mentioned, yeah, bro, yeah. for anyone that lives locally will know that um, those are, once again, not to be diminishing to them, but they're just lower decile yeah, places. So. they are. So a lot, of the, a lot of the bros come from kind of, you know, either broken homes or tough homes or whatever. So it was kind of like a, a natural... Um, uh, a natural place together was our house because it was central. Everyone, my mum and dad used to welcome everyone with open arms, mm. and um, so our place was always full with people. Like mum and dad even took others in um, to live with us. So like Etu used to live with us. We had another sister that come and live with us, Lisa, um, Uncle Murray. It was just like yeah, they used to just take in everyone. And so I and mum used to when we were at Hatter's restaurant, mum would always like feed some of the kids that we. You know, didn't have food and things like that. So it was like a natural progression for me to get into that. Um, <clears throat> and because when I was younger, I used to care for my bros too. Like I used to, you know, I used to see some of the stuff they had to go through. 
And so I think over the years, it's just helped me kind of grow into that person of wanting to help others in similar situations. Mm. And I feed off that. So like with my stuff with Rangatahi now, like, and there's no disrespect to adults, but I, I prefer hanging out with kids, man. Like they're just, they're way more, um, they're just, adults could learn a lot from kids in terms of purity and, and having fun and enjoying life and just, you know what I mean? And I just... I the just, word I use, bro, is untainted. Yeah, they're not they ta- They're not tainted by the negativity of the world. Nah. They're in their own ignorant bliss, which some makes some people hoha because it makes them feel like they're kind of living a fake reality, but then you could argue who's... Whose reality is more fake or more real than the others, you know? Oh, yeah. This side's all kind of caught up in mahi and bills and provide. This this side, to me, in my yeah. opinion, is like being present or enjoying themselves. Yeah. A lot of the time, obviously, a lot of kids are dealing with some pretty hard shit oh. these days. And, you know, whether we go to the social media and blame that or whatever, but yeah. a lot there's a lot of things going on, which we'll probably touch yeah, yeah. on as well. Oh, hard out, bro. And, and that's what I love about it. Like, I just love hanging out with them, eh? Because, like... Yeah, you just you can see inside their soul sometimes, and like they just they're in there and they're just reaching out for people to care and you know. And to love Kids them. are never gonna say it outright, right? But the the actions and the patterns are kind of there. Yeah. Says the fellow with no kids. Yeah, no, 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 you're right though, and you've only got to take time. You know, you just got to take time to observe them sometimes. Well, for me, bro, I just remember like the way reason why I say that is because I remember being that kid. I've, I remember vividly being that kid. So we never approached to, so I'm involved with a lot of marketing and promotion stuff and people always say kids are so hard to like preempt or get to buy stuff or you know, or like promote to, like say for example, getting to vote. Mm. They're like, kids are hard to get to enroll and stuff like that, they just don't care. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, well you need to spend time of thinking about why they don't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, why should they care? Yeah. And then once you do that, it's a bit easier. But you're just going, they're lazy, they don't care. Hi. It's like, why don't they care? Let's reverse re-engineer, they don't care. Or does, like, say politics, for example, is there anything there that interests them? Yeah, yeah. Like, 90%, no. There's a lot of stuff happening as well that they probably don't even know about, that they yeah. just need to be, you know, if they knew that this X amount of... Po- this, this political party is putting X amount of money into sports, yeah. they'd fucking probably be all yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. But they just don't know. No, no, they don't. And that's, that's up to us as adults to take more time to observe them, to, to, to tap into them, and then to, to allow them an opportunity to express themselves. Mm. I think sometimes we, 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 we're too demanding of our children, expecting them, they're only kids, man, you know? Like, but, but let them express who they are. And, you know, I find when I'm with them, they teach me stuff every day, bro. Mm. Like, I learn heaps from them, you know, and I go right back to the way our tūpuna once were, were you know, like um, in, in the village, the, 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 the elders would observe children from, from birth. You know, it started, it started in the puku. Everything started in the puku, you know, like when the baby's in the puku, that's when baby's starting to grow. So everything they would surround the mother would... would that's the growth period for the baby when the baby comes into this earth the old people would observe those children and and observe their their, their attributes their their likes for certain things you know and then they would steer them in that direction from what they observed mm. so for instance if you loved if they just picked up on little hohepa you know one <laughs> or two just loving being around fish and fishing then they would put them in an environment that would help him grow into this amazing person doing something that he's passionate about. And so I look back to that sometimes. I think, like, in the Western society, we're, we're so 
clouded by that type of stuff and we're, and, and we're putting kids into places. And I remember being at Francis Douglas, for instance, and I'm in a room. I, I would love to have calculated how many hours were wasted me doing something I had no interest in at all. Now, if you think about that in every kid in today's society, the amount of time is wasted on stuff they have absolutely no interest in. Imagine if you turn that into something they had interest in. Mm. Imagine how powerful our children would be once they had adulthood. You know, so I look at that and then say, so what I'm trying to do at the moment in terms of this program, there's still a lot of learnings along the way. But I'm trying to, I'm trying to help these kids find their true niche, their true passion, and to provide an avenue for them to follow, to pursue that dream and spend as much time in it as possible and believe in themselves to do it, you know? And I'm using rugby league as a vehicle for that because they have fun and it, and it allows them to express themselves. And once they start expressing themselves, then all the stuff starts coming out and then we start finding what their niches are, you know? So I, I just think as a society, we've got, to, um, we've got to really change. You know, sometimes we've got to look back to move forward and some of those teachings of the old people are some of the ways we've got to go back to and observe our children. We're so caught up in the world today where we're, it's just work, 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 money, 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 provide, 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 that we're actually losing track of. It's like the cycle we're getting in. Mm. You know? The rat race, the hamster oh, wheel. It is. And then we're just, we're just all over the place, you know? So, like, I would love one day to literally be able to, like, be with kids 24-7 and just take them through that journey. You know what I mean? Just to... To help them find it. Be the quarter watching the puku. Oh, hard. Yeah, yeah no. Was, I just see. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be really, really cool. Because eh? then you'd see true growth, and not in just people in community. Eh? It makes sense, bro. Like everything you're saying makes sense to me. Because essentially, what you, from my interpretation of what you're saying, is they they have a natural zest or love or inclination towards certain tasks or themes. So we build avenues around that rather than having this prefab, pre-made box template and we're trying to squeeze them in and they don't even fit. Most, most definitely, because everyone that's put on this earth, you're, everyone's put on this earth for a reason. We all have a gift. Everyone has a gift. It doesn't matter. And if you look in the community, like you look at that photo behind you and there's, there's a gift for everything that needs to be done in the community and everyone has a place. <clears throat> but I think the way that we're structured at the moment is very one-dimensional, it's very in-the-box type thinking, you've got to think this way. Well, it, nah, it's not, you know. Mm. And if you look at the ways of our tūpuna and our predecessors, you know, they, they, it started from a very young age where there was schools of of warfare, there were schools of, of gathering kai, there were schools of working in the ngāhere, there were schools of, you know what I mean? So you would push them in that direction. And and you've only got to look around Aotearoa in particular in Taranaki. And there's, there's people in each of those areas that are amazing. 100%. Amazing, bro. Imagine if they were put into the same space and our children were able to come into that same space and follow that direction that the, that's their little niche, you know. Just be, so I just think, I just think sometimes we're a little bit internal with our thinking. We've got to think a little bit more external in terms of growth of our children and stuff, you know? Yep. Um, but I see it through, like, working with the rangatahi now, I just... I just see, like, you just look deep in their eyes, man, and that they're just... They're yearning for people to want to, like, help lead them in the right direction, you know? You think that's what it is? Like, it's a lack of direction? It's not, not them having a lack of goals. It's just... It's a lack of 
where do I go? Well, it's, it's like we go back and you, you, you raised it a couple of times, you know. Did you speak to anyone about that? You know, you mentioned it to me, did you, when I was younger? And mm-hmm. I didn't. They're the same. They need people to be able to reach out to. And people that are, because that, that, you've got to gain trust, eh? With yeah, kids. sure. You've got to gain trust. Talk to I'm just going to talk to you. And you've got to show affection, you've got to show love, you've got to show true, deep, meaningful love to each and every individual because they're all different, you know. But once you get that, and I'm finding that with some of these kids that I'm like best friends with, you know, like once you get that relationship, that connection, they'll 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 tell you what they're thinking, they'll tell you, you know, and even Saturday's a clear example of that. I knew that was needed because we've had I've had those conversations, you know. And so to see that firsthand, you know, it's like and that's all that that's all that that's all they want, bro. Mm. They just want someone to be there for them twenty four seven, you know. I can, I can hear people yelling at us wanting to talk more about Saturday because we've mentioned it a couple of times now. We're going to get there, but before we do, bro, you've spoken a lot about Papa and identity and stuff like that. Is this stuff that you've always been confident with or is it stuff you've had to learn later? Uh, no, it's always, it's been stuff I've always been interested in. And I think, like you know, you went back to that, you know, my skin colour and things like that. When I was younger, I think, I think that helped me, uh, that kind of... Um, that was the that kind of first baby step to to want to know, mm. and so I was always inquisitive about that stuff. Um, uh, so as times, like I said, there was a bit of a dark period in my life where I didn't give two hoots about any of that stuff. But um, the more I was away in Australia, the more my manga drew me home and drew me back into that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I've just been on this wicked journey, bro. So it's it's something now that it's just ingrained in me, and I have stuff that comes to me, and, and people that help me with that stuff that I've just come across heaps of stuff and talk it. Yeah. So tangibly, then for people out there, because there's a lot of people out there that feel like they've got a bit of a lack of identity, or they need to get in touch with their, for lack of a better term, like Maori tanga, or might even might not even be Maori. There might be other people that are listening now that are feeling a disconnect from from their identity. Yeah. What tangible steps have you taken that you can recommend that they take? What's something that they could like three things they could do this week, this month? this year to to help them get in the zone and, and start that momentum? I think one of the first things is to start asking questions within your whanau. If you're not aware, then ask some of the aunties, ask some of the uncles, oh, who was my da-da-da-da-da? You know, who was my da-da-da? Because what you find, and I've found this with my um, my stepdad, is that um, like he he hasn't known anything about his whakapapa his whole life. And I said to him, uh, like one day I showed him how I do all my whakapapa stuff, and I said to him, Man, once you start, watch out because you're going to get carried away. Now, the follow, like the last two months, my mum's like, oh, what did you do, man? <laughs> he just he comes home from work and he's just going all night, you know? So it's about asking that initial question. So when you say going all night, what's he doing? Like, he's researching like, oh, yeah, stories yeah. of his ancestors and, and links to different areas and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, our whakapapa is us. Mm. It's who makes us, and I like it, good or bad, no matter what you find along the journey. It's all part of the puzzle of, of our identity of who we are today, you know? And so he, he's on this massive journey, so he's, he's, he's going for it. He's loving it. He's loving it, and it's helping him feel more at peace with himself, you know? Because it's important. That's our, that's our ancestors. So the first thing I would say is to ask the questions. Ask some of the family members, you know, the nannies or the um, aunties or uncles, ask a question. Who was such and such? Ask them what the story was behind them. Da, 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 da. Mm. That's the first thing I'd do. Second thing I'd do, if you know if you know of place or any places that you link to, go and feel it. Like, go to those places and feel it. Try and connect yourself with that place. You'll be surprised that, you know, 
how much just being in a place will help you connect spiritually. That's what I've found when I go to places. Um, and the and the third thing probably is is don't be afraid. You know, like you have to take a leap of faith. Like it is a bit scary when you start getting into that because you get you like you know you're a bit you're scared. It's like anything. You're scared to do something you're not comfortable with, eh? Mm. But to be comfortable with it, you've got to get uncomfortable. You know, so those are probably the three steps I would say to get into it. But once you get into it, I, I can't explain <laughs> like <clears throat> how fulfilling it is. How fulfilling it is. Oh, like I went to England. Like I went and I went to all the old churches, the old um, where my ancestors were buried over there. I loved it. It was mean. It took me all over England. It was beautiful. So all 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 lines. You know what I mean? It's not just tell Maori. Yeah, you mentioned eh, like it's <clears throat> it's putting that stake in the ground for me. It's knowing like learning about that stuff and I've been quite fortunate it hasn't been like a, a purposeful journey or like not not purposeful in that it doesn't matter but like I haven't had to intently go look for it yeah. a lot of it I've grown up knowing no, or being yeah. taught and yeah. I was always the little tour here that asked too many questions when yeah. I was a kid and stuff so I've been lucky to but there's definitely parts of me I don't know like yeah. my Fijian family for sure yeah. I don't know anything really about I know a couple of legends and a little a couple of stories um, but in terms of like, I don't even know who my great grandparents are on my Fijian side. So that's definitely the stuff like I want to rip the lid off um, and get deeper into. But I just know with the parts that I do know, as you've mentioned, like it does, it has given me a stable foundation and it gives me the confidence to go and take shit out in the world and stand up for things and protest or whatever or have tough conversations and things like that because I know that no matter how far I fall, I'm going to land on this yeah, place at least. Yeah, yeah. It's not like shit, what's going to happen to me? It's like, well, at the very worst case scenario, I'll go and look my wounds at home and then yeah, I'll be ready yeah, to come definitely. and fuck up the world again later. Yeah, yeah, hard out, hard out. But it is good finding. So like even for you, even those, those Fijian links, you know, like once you find some of those things, bro, it's very powerful. Uh-huh. It's for some people, it's not for some, you know, some people don't get into that and that's fine, you know. But I, I find with me, um, on, on my whakapapa journey, once you, once you, you know, you learn these stories and you learn who you are, it helps you be grounded. That's, that's what I believe. You've mentioned spirituality a couple of times, bro. So how long would you say that you've been aware of um, things like that? Has it always been constant? Or once again, is it one of those things that you've probably been in tune with and then you look back and kind of put the pieces together? Yeah, or? yeah, no, no. Like, um, the same as what I said before, like, you know, I had a dark period in my life, but looking back, I had that at a very young age, but I didn't really realise it if that makes sense. Yeah. So as a kid, I was actually quite in tune spirit, spiritually, but I didn't, you know, it didn't kind of, I didn't know. Um, well, I did know, but I didn't. And looking back, I, I did know, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it's not until, like, uh, I was going through some deep depression in Australia um, before I moved home, and I literally one morning woke up and said, I'm out of here, I've got to go because I'm... Like the manga was calling me home for like two years. The last two years I was an Aussie and, and I knew there was a reason behind it, but I didn't know what. And I got into deep depression, I was down in the dumps, hating my hating myself and all that kind of jazz. And then one day I just woke up and said, I'm jumping on a plane, I'm going home. And I just literally told Ari and the kids I'm out. And I left them there and came home because I knew I had to. Uh, Ari didn't want to move home. Um, but I knew for myself and for me to be the best dad and the best partner I could be, I needed to be somewhere where I was spiritually in tune. And I just jumped on the plane, come home, bro. And literally, as soon as I stepped foot on at home, like, everything fell into place, bro. Like, it was... And then I, I think all those things happening 
kind of made me realise, like helped me reconnect with that side that I did, I, I knew I once had when I was a kid. Mm. And so like from then bro and, and like to now just each year I just get more and more spiritually in tune with myself and with the whenua and you know where I'm supposed to be and my family and all that jazz so it's pretty cool like once you're in touch with that you know because all of our ancestors eh like they all that was part of everyday life mm. and I feel like in western society we just overlook that stuff way too much we're just so caught up we don't take time to actually connect with ourselves. And so <clears throat> the more I've learned that, the more at peace I've felt, bro. Like, chronically. Like, it sounds like people sometimes think it's like, ooh, you know, hairy-scary type stuff, but it's it's not. It's it's actually in all of us. It's just a matter of tuning in. I think there's a stigma that comes with it, bro, is that, like, people don't talk about it because no one talks about it. No, no. So when you do talk about it, you're the fucking weirdo because you're the one talking about it. But then the more people we get talking about it, so for tangible, for example, example, right, if you walked into like a sponsorship or a business meeting, it'd probably be a bit weird for you to start talking about that. Yeah. But if you're around the brothers that we're around on the weekend talking about that, it ain't no big deal, right? Yeah, yeah. So it all, yeah, I guess things only get normalised by us talking about this stuff a lot more. Like, I'm a spiritual dude. Yeah. I'm not a religious guy, yeah, yeah, but I'm a spiritual guy. Yeah. And so like, I used to have these arguments with mum all the time, bro, when we were growing up. So mum's quite religious. Yeah, yeah. So when I would meditate and stuff in high school, and I only got into meditation because someone, um, it might have been an uncle or something, suggested it to me because, like, I was quite a hyper kid and, you know, yeah. big mouth and always talking and stuff just to help me chill out. Yeah. It was like, man, just spend, like, five minutes by yourself just sitting alone. So you don't have to close your eyes and do the um like yeah. stuff. But just sit by yourself, just go play in the grass or whatever and just sit there for a bit and just... I don't know, just be aware of what's around yeah. you and smell the, the air. And so I started doing that. And then mum come and see me once. I was down the back. So back at one of our houses, bro, we had this, like, little creek that would go past and just a plot of grass. She come down and she see me with my eyes closed and just kind of taking some deep breaths. Freaked out, bro, and she was telling me that, like, meditation's like the devil's work and stuff and it's welcoming in spirits and all this sort of stuff. And then, so... We got into like a bit of a debate. Thankfully, it wasn't an argument. It was just a, like, yeah. a discussion. And um, I would have been like 14 maybe at the time or something, 15. And we were like talking about this stuff. And I was like, I was like, Mum, do you realise that like you pray to a higher being, which is fine. Like you pray to um, uh, a, a God or a higher being or whatever. And then, and, but you say that that higher being is... Um, what's the word is a reflection of us and I was like well I'm like talking or being by myself which you could argue by your logic is a reflection of that higher being yeah. so we're doing the same thing yeah, yeah, yeah. so what's, what's the problem yeah. so that's yeah. what I like when I, the reason why I bring that up and what, how I contextualise to what we're talking about if uh, a lot of that time right, if you say you're religious no one really yeah, cares but yeah. if you say you're spiritual you're yeah. out of it hippie yeah, 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 but it's yeah. the same shit I know it's the same stuff no yeah. you're right totally totally but it's it, it, so many of us have it in us we're just clouded we're not we're not in tune with it you know? mm. and I, I think the mahi that I do too helps me with mine like I'm out on places that are you know um, you know spiritual places that our ancestors once lived and thought and all that kind of jazz and so like I go like I'm, I must feel I must look like a weirdo to the birds because like I'm out there I'm like oh kia ora hey how you going talking to them, them hey, I just oh, I love it like, you know just out there by myself it's cool man yeah so um 
Yeah, but I'm... Got to watch out when they talk back, though. That's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a few of those. <laughs> so, but, yeah, we're on this. We're on the topic, so let's yeah. go there. Because, bro, you've got the coolest job title in the world, man. Mm. Kaitaki Whenua for Taranaki Iwi. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So how did that come about, and how did you get involved? Yeah, it was quite out of it, eh? Because I, um... So, like, I've been a scaffolder all my life, scaffolder rigger, um, since I was a young chap. And, um... Same thing, I was offshore here, so I come home seven years ago, out offshore on the rigs, very lucky, very fortunate, because being on the rigs helped me set up back home. And um, last probably year or two, I just wasn't in it, you know, like, it was still a good job, good mates, but I just, I started getting those thoughts like, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? And I started thinking, you know, what I should be doing, as per my thoughts, you know, uh, my thoughts as a young fella. And so I literally woke up one morning out there too and I was like, I'm out, mm, I'm leaving. And so I just handed him my natives and then come back with the hope that I'd get mahi, um, you know, doing something I love. And everyone thought I was stupid because I was probably on some of the best money in the country for a scaffy being offshore. And then, um, so I gave that up. Um, and then I think it was about three, I was unemployed for a little bit and about three, yeah, no, I was unemployed for a little while actually. Actually, no, no. Before, before I say to cut you off, bro, was there was there a lot of stigma or kind of like judgment put on you for giving up that mahi for anything that, like, you had no plan B, so to speak, yet? Oh yeah, yeah they thought I was stupid. That's what I was saying. Like some of my mates, are like, what are you up to, bro? A couple of my mates that are real supportive. They're like, caps, bro. We know you'll kill it, and whatever you do, go and chase your dream, bro. Don't be stuck out here like us. Look at us. We're like sixty, and we're still, you know what I mean? Yeah. So there was a bit of support too, which helped me a lot. Um, because the only reason why I want to touch on that is because I know there's a lot of people that are in jobs that they fucking hate. But that's, I know, and that's what I mean. And that's like, once I did it, I think I did it like a, a live a while back and, I was, and, I, and that was my topic was like, you spend a third of your life doing, like working, right? So you owe it to yourself to work in something that you actually fucking like, you mm. know what I mean? Otherwise, like, think about a third of your life working or, you know, whatever it is, mm. quarter of your life. Um... You should be doing something you love. If you're not, what a waste of life, you know? So I did a live on him. I got heaps of, bro, I got dudes messaging me saying, bro, I quit today. I'm going to do <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. You got their boss room going out. Yeah. Fucking yeah. caps. Yeah. leave. But the, the key that, that I, I felt with it is I was that, like I said about the manif- manifestation of thoughts. Mm. I was that dead on making a change and I was that dead that the right thing was going to come to me like mm. I was just I knew it that that's a creative that's what happened so I think three months after I finished I started working with Taranaki Rugby League as the operations manager um, which is like a dream job of mine as a kid and I loved it um, I was only there for about eight or nine months um, unfortunately one of the things with me like I do I jumped in hit full ball got everything cranking I didn't actually look after myself and that was ensuring that I had funding covered to, for my job because I had a six-month contract to carry on. Um, so although I'd done all this awesome mahi, like in such a short time and got the game really cranking, I didn't look after myself first and it kind of kicked me in the butt later because um, contract run out, had no funding there. So I worked for literally nothing for three months for TRL. I had no job, unemployed. About another three months, I was unemployed, and I started thinking, "Oh, what?" And then, then Ari started saying, "You stupid! I told you to stay offshore." <laughs> you know, because going from like big money to like 
looked like TRL was getting bugger all, you know, doing it all for love. It was hard, but I, 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 I keep thinking, no, 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 this is meant to be, this is, this is all the challenges. So, yeah, I was looking at moving down to Palmy. My boy was at Manukura, and I'd been talking to the school down there about, you know, trying to find me a role down there to, like, help run their rugby league program and all that kind of jazz. And so they were trying to work some things out down there, and it took a little while. I was unemployed, and then I seen this job come in the paper, like, with the iwi. It was like, Kaitaki Whenua Range, and I was like... As soon as I seen it, I was like, oh, no, nah, that's not me. I ain't no ranger, you know, like, because to be honest, put my hand up, I'm pretty, I'm not much of a hands-on dude. I'm a bit bloody hopeless with that stuff. Um, and I haven't worked in the bush before. Yeah. And then about a week later, it was still in there, and I thought, no, nah, just, I'll read the job description. I read it, and I was like, bro, I could do that. And that'd be pretty cool, you know, like. So your first, your first instinct was like, at someone who lives in the bush, knows every fucking yeah, breed of bird. Yeah, all that. <laughs> like, can, can pick up some goat shit and go, yeah, ooh, uh, five hours away. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I that, But even that's interesting, right? Like how many how many times do you think, bro, that people have taught them out of, like their assumption is I'm not good enough, right? Bro, honestly, Instead of... And, and let's be honest, look at like the way that they put jobs out there now. They, they make it so that when you look at it, oh, no, I'm not good enough. There's heaps of jobs like that. I've looked at heaps of jobs where you're like, oh, that's out of my league. But once you actually get into them, nah, man, you can do that. You know? But I reckon you're like me. Like, <coughs> if, if I really want a job, I'm like, fuck, just get me in front of them. Fuck, yeah, fuck the application yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah, resume. Oh, Give me to the interview. I've got the job. Yeah, like, you yeah, know? straight up. Like, I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound big-headed for whānau <laughs> listening and stuff, but that's always been my train of thought. It's like... The hardest part for me is the application. Big time. But you get me in front of them. Yeah, eye to eye contact, get a feel for each other. Give them a hug. Oh, hard out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, chow, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, so I ended up checking in my application, and I thought, oh, I'll just give it a go. And then it got shortlisted, and then we had interviews, and then they were like, do you want the job? And I was like, oh, yeah. Do you like, want me to have the job? <laughs> I was like, shit. But, okay, shit, I better, you know, step my game up. But <clears throat> to be honest, like, wicked. Love it. I've never, ever been so happy in mahi. And I've never been in an environment, even at TRL when I was working around the sport Taranaki crew, like, they were wicked, like... Because coming from offshore industry and scaffolding industry, like, heaps of good mates in there, but it's really cutthroat, bro. Like, cutthroat as. Like, everyone dogs each other. Everyone undercuts each other. It's just a shit environment, bro. Mm. And it's real nasty. Like, they got no... Um, no regard for culture or for anything, bro. It's really, really poor, bro. It's, it's, and I never realised it when I was in it for so many years until I got out of it. And when I went up to Sport T with Taranaki Rugby League and that, the environment was good, you know. We used to do karakia and we'd all come together and so it was really good, bro. So I'd open my eyes up. And then now that I'm with Iwi, it's even more so, you know. So I've, I've really opened my eyes up to all those years I spent in those industries that were just, you know, it's just like... I wouldn't say slave labour, but it's just like you're just in the rut, bro. Yep. You know? And um, money's great, yay, but money ain't money ain't got shit on happiness, bro. People are a tool, eh? Not, not a person, like oh, in some of these industries. It's pretty, like, it's that, that's cutthroat ass, bro. You could yeah. be with a company for years, they wouldn't give a shit. They'd, they'd drop you at a, at a dime, you know? So, um, so now being in the role that I'm in, like, Bro, love it. It's got everything, you know, it's community-based, it's it's on the land. And what better way to start working with your Iwi than being getting your hands into the dirt, you know what I mean? And and I love it. I just love it, so. So what have you learned? Like, obviously, there's a fuckload and we can't fit it all into one yeah. conversation, but just what are some highlights, bro, that you've learned since being involved uh, <coughs> as a kaitaki whenua for Tanaki Iwi? Well, it's 
so so my my main tasks are um uh, uh, weed control, pest eradication, maintenance like fencing and stuff like that, and just general uh, tidied up of of our par sites and our sites around the coast and all that kind of jazz. So that's kind of like the main mahi I do. But then there's community engagement, you know, like taking people onto our sites, assisting them with planting. We do a lot of planting in that on our different sites and stuff like that. Getting to know the history of the sites, understanding the land, the whakapapa of the land, you know, what, what, like what trees work where, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm. So it's really, really been an eye-opener for me because it's stuff I've, I never knew, you know. Um, you know, pests, what pests are in certain areas and why, why do they come there, how do we get rid of them, all that kind of jazz. So there's all these management structures that we've got to organise in the background as well. So it's not as easy as just being out there going to catch, you know, like we've got to set up systems. It's, it's a new thing for us as Iwi. We've got a, a good little team and we've got to set up our own structures and stuff like that. So hence why I'm at Doc for two years training. So they're giving me, it's like a partnership between Doc and Taranaki Iwi. Taranaki Iwi, I'm employed by them, but I'm on a two-year secondment with Doc where they train me up. So that post two years, we have our own little team. We go and do our own thing, you know? Awesome, bro. People have been asking me how it all works and stuff for yeah, you. Just, yeah. And I'm like, fuck, honestly, I don't know. Yeah. So thank you for explaining yeah, So, that, so my, my role is I look after 29 sites that were handed back from uh, the Crown to Iwi as part of settlement. Mm-hmm. So some of those sites are historical reserves, old par sites. There's this one scientific reserve. Um, there's a lot of marginal strips, which are like um, parcels of land down the coast. So we've got a footprint on the coastline. And then there's some other fee simple blocks of land that we use for, uh, potentially use in the future for, um, you know, that, that um, aspirational stuff, you know, visionary stuff for our people. Yeah. Cool, man. So it's pretty cool. Bro, tell us a story that would, I don't want to say blow people's minds because I don't want to put that pressure on you, but what's something that you learned that you had no fucking clue about? Maybe in terms of like some, uh, maybe something that happened on a piece of land around the coast or in town or just something that you've learned that you've been like, man, I had no idea that that happened here. Um, I would say, uh, I suppose one thing I've learned being down the coast is just the enormity, bro, of the activity that was once there pre-European. In terms of numbers, bro, like when like all the parsite down the coast that I come across that I'm getting to know, there is heaps, bro. And just learning the sophistication of how our people once lived, like because you know we get this conception, like when you're young that oh yeah they lived on that par and you know like you don't know the full insight onto how our communities once lived. Yep. But the more I'm on the land and I'm out there on these different sites I'm, and, I'm, and I'm seeing things and I'm feeling things, I'm getting a feel for the whenua and, 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 and understanding just how civilised our people So paint a picture, bro. Paint a picture. So, so, like, you know, like, you go down the coast and then... Um, so, like, you'll go... Do you know what a totem waka is? So a no. totem waka is, is... So we've got a rocky, a rocky coastline, right? So where our tupuna moved rocks to create a passage for their waka. In the coast, like in the so ocean. If you go on Google Maps and you cruise the coastline, you'll see these turtle waka all down the coast of Sipson. Oh, you shit. wouldn't even know. I don't even know. No. Nah. Until like until now, you know. Yeah. Until I've been in the role. So there's all these turtle waka that our tupuna move massive boulders to clear for waka, you know. Then you come up and you notice there's this little stream that runs not far from the Tauranga Waka. Then you notice there's a bay. Then you notice there's a par up on the headland. 
Then you notice there's a um, swampy area over here. Then you notice there's some flats there. So you start painting this picture of like little kind of civilizations. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and then and then you it, it just starts to make sense, and then you start to see the picture now. And what I talk, what I mean about the coast, there's heaps, bro, all down the coast. So our population pre-European was really, really high. You know, it was really, really high in Taranaki from what I can, from what I've seen and from what I've heard and that and what I've learned. So just to be able to go to places and feel it and feel what was there instead of now, like you know, you go there and what? What one thing that really pissed me off since I've started the job, I've realised how many times roads have been put through our papakainga and our pass line. Mm. Like right through the middle, purposely. Like, because what happens? You put a road through something, what happens? You just disestablish the, the community. Yeah. So I see that everywhere. It's almost, like a, it's almost like a wall, right? Like it divides. Put the pole in the ground, we're here. We're going straight through, your, you know what I mean? Yeah. So even, but even seeing those things, being able to feel now what was there. You know, even though there's things in the way and, you know. So I, I suppose for me, that's been one of my, one of my, you know, in the knowledge that I've picked up from some of my peers, my, my, my tuakana, the people I work with and, and understanding, you know, that have lived on the land for years. Mm. And walk, walk the land's like, you know, I'm getting out there and doing stuff now, but they've been doing it since they were kids. So they know everything. They know the tides, the winds, everything. So just learning all that stuff off them too. So it's just been a real honour and a privilege to be able to do that. And and I look back to my tupuna, you know, my tupuna moved away from the coast into the town, you know, for whatever reasons back in those days. We don't know because we weren't in those times, but obviously hardship and and there's a few stories and reasons behind that. But it's kind of like a, I'm coming back, mm. which is really cool. You know, my whānau moved into town and now like coming back, which is awesome for me, getting a connection back to where I Hard. Roots are, you know. So we've touched on themes here, bro, of like, you know, like deliberate sort of systemic colonisation or stuff, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So, because I can see it in your face, I don't know if they're listening so they can't see your face, but I can see a lot of my mind coming up because you're like obviously reliving some of the stuff mm-hmm. that you have, you have known, bro. So how, like, I, don't, I can't say recommend, but like, how do you deal with finding out those the the, the realization I guess that there were and is actually stuff in place to stop Tangata Whenua from developing and blossoming and yeah, it's a hard one because you can get a, you can get upset at mummy about it and you can and it can really drag you down. Um, so I think for me, what, what what I try to do and everyone's unique and different in their own ways, but yep. what I try to do is you never forget. Like, you never forget the pains and the atrocities that our tupuna have done, and it's in our blood. It's been handed through generations, you know, the hurt, the trauma that our people have been through. So it's, it's in us already, before even knowing the story. Um, so never lose sight of that. However, never let it pull you down from what you can achieve too. And so I like, I like to, I suppose, a way... It's one of those things that you're not going to change overnight. you just got to slowly pick away at it, eh? you got to mm. slowly pick away at that hurt and that mama and just slowly get rid of it and change the way in which we think. Um, so instead of, for me, I, I don't like to be um, forceful on people. I don't like to put others in their place because they don't understand. They may not know. And if they're not prepared to open up, 
then that's their mamai. Mm. They need to sort that. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna change you. I might be able to plant a seed, and that's what it's about doing is just planting the seed, little seeds, so that they they slowly understand. Because you know, let's be real. Either side of the spectrum, there's hurt and there's mamai and there's misunderstanding. You yep. know what I mean? Um, so what I try and do is I just try to plant the seed and just give little hints on you know things. But 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 to be very straight and very honest too, you know, like if I hear stuff that's derogatory or defamatory to my to my tupuna, I'm gonna say something, and it just it doesn't need to be long winded. It can just be straight and real. Yeah. My tupuna had their land confiscated. It's that simple. This was my land and it got taken off me. Like, if you can't understand that, then that's the problem. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, um, yeah, I, I just try to plant some seeds and under, I don't let it get me down, bro. If anything, I like, I want to, I'm doing my, we've got to look in ourselves. That's what I believe. And if we look in ourselves and we make positive change to somehow peg that stuff back, then things will ease in the future. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I'm doing is, you know, I'm going to move back down the coast. I'm going to purchase land that was stolen from my family. It hurts to purchase it. Yeah, yeah. But I was I'm going to cha- ask. But I'm, ch- I'm going to change the... I'm not going to let... Because I have to purchase it, I'm not going to let that hold me back from getting back on the land, mm. if you know what I mean. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take it back to what it once was, that type of stuff, so that my kids don't need to feel that, so they have place of belonging, so that they know they've got something, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just about changing that. Changing that mindset, I suppose. It's always a tough one, and I ain't no scholar in that type of stuff. I ain't no, I don't have the big words to come, you know, with that type of court at all if I get into confrontation with someone. Yeah. And, stuff. But I just, and you're not saying this is what everyone should do. You're just explaining how you deal with it and the it. stuff that you put in place to yeah. keep yourself above the line. That, that's that's how I deal with it. And everyone else has a different way of dealing with it, and that's cool. Like, you know, I respect, I, that's one thing I always, I respect everyone for their own ways in which they do things, but that's how I do things. I, I don't like to get into heated stuff like that and if it, if it is to get heated I, I, I'd prefer to remove myself and just keep the, the facts simple you know this is what's happened and this is why there's still some hurt and if you can't understand that then maybe you're the problem yeah. <laughs> but speaking of like I guess um, you know celebrate the little wins and, and making positive change in things a big issue um, happening here in Taranaki at the moment or in New Plymouth is the establishment of a Māori ward within council. Mm. Just generally speaking, bro, what are, you, what are your whakaro around there? Um, I think, like, obviously I'm, I'm in support of the Māori ward. Uh, Māori ward. Um, as per the Treaty of Waitangi, eh? You know? There's a um, there's an obligation for us to be at the, the table. It's, it's written in stone, you know? So... Um, to be honest, I haven't I haven't really delved into it too much. Mm. Um, you know, I've, I've I've talked to some people, some Maori that aren't in support of it, um, that believe that you know uh, we should get in there ourselves and, and make change ourselves instead of having kind of like a token seat type thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've heard a few things. To be honest, I, yeah, I, I don't really know on the issue. I th- I think. Um, no, yeah, I guess I'm not asking for an expert opinion, bro. Yeah. I guess just like, you know, the fact that you've mentioned that there's people out there 
um, that are Māori that mm-hmm. don't support it. I think mm-hmm. that's mind blowing for a lot of people because yeah. a lot of people would think, "Oh, you Brown, you want it," yeah. you know. I think I think what was meant behind that is you know we've got to be careful within this uh, that it's not tokenism. Yep. That it's not like oh, there you go, there's your seat. Well, the, yeah, yeah. The, well, that's the big thing I understand too, right? Like yeah. a lot of the argument from, from a lot of Māori that I speak with is just that, no, we don't want a fucking seat. We want 50-50 like the treaty yeah. says, you know, yeah. which I understand that too. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and and the, good, the thing that I like about it too is like uh, one thing that, you know, how they talk about systems. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who said it, but it was really, really good. You know, I think Murray Trong might have said something about, you know, like, uh, this, uh, we've got to be fair, it's all got to be equal. But equal in whose way? Mm. You know, like everything's a part of our system. So does that mean like we got to fit into that system? Well, how about we have a Maori system and we make it equal? Well, that's the thing, right? Like that's the thing. Like, we want us to all be the same. So cool, let's be Maori. Yeah. They're like, oh, we can't. Or well, why the fuck do you expect us to not be Maori? And, that, and that's right. And so, so you got to think of you know you think about that stuff too. So. That, that really hits home for me, you know. And, and right, that was mind-blowing for me. And you know who said that to me? That example that exact example that I gave you then, when people say we should all be one, okay, let's all be Māori, or we can't, or yeah. why, why do you expect Māori to be Pākehā? Do you know who said yeah. that to me? Who's that? Andrew Judd. Oh, did he? A Pākehā fella said that to me, bro, and it made me click. And yeah. I was like, fuck, you're yeah, right, that, that hit home for me as well. Um, and I suppose, like, we, we do need to be at the table for, for far too long, bro. We've been pushed to the side, you know. I know this for a fact. My nana and them, bro, like, you know, uh, it's, it's it's quite my mind to think of, you know, that, that uh, the effects that that stuff that happened in the old days has on generations, you know, for whatever reason, you know, oh, no, don't speak Māori, you know, oh, no, no, we're not allowed to speak Māori, you know. So then generations lose their culture mm. because of those decisions, those hard times that are grandparents and that all went through where oh you couldn't speak Māori or get the strap or stuff like that so people don't take that into account like whole generations but the whole families have lost culture and real and and you know like like my family's a prime example bro like no disrespect to my dad love my dad but he wouldn't know like his grandmother like and his grandfather like te reo Māori they'd speak to themselves in te reo Māori but no one else they didn't teach their kids Māori, they didn't because they knew the world was changed. They had, they couldn't, they couldn't speak it. They knew the bloody strap. So there was this, you know, generations. Myself, my dad didn't know nothing, you know. So yeah, it's so we haven't been at the table, bro. Yep. that's the that's the key. We haven't, and and the Treaty of Waitangi says that we. We're supposed to be, it's supposed to be a 50-50 partnership, bro. Yeah. So where's the partnership? Show me. And that's the thing too, like with equality, for me, my perspective, like, but, oh, but we want to be the same. I was like, well, you don't want to fucking be the same 20, 30, 40 years ago. Like, but hey, that old shit's old shit. Okay, let's be the same. But, you know, so if we use the land stuff, I, I like my girl mates out there hate on me because I always use car analogies. But if someone's stolen your car and there's no chance you're going to get that car back, like the least they can do is let you have a seat, or you know, or yeah, give you a ride. Give you a ride. Or, yeah, bloody yeah. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And that's and that's where we're at at the moment. You know, I, I just think our people have done. You know, and you're so proud of our people to, and you know, other indigenous peoples around the world look to Maori because the the it's it's been shown that they they fight for their rights for a long time now. You know, it's mm. been happening. We're seeing positive change, and positive inclusiveness once and for all. It's starting to happen. Which is really really cool. One little thing I get a little bit concerned about is, is we got to we've also got to be mindful as Maori um, that we don't end up 
being uh, on the other foot, so to speak, if that makes sense. Elaborate. Uh, so like, um, uh, what's the right word for it? Uh, we just got to be mindful that we don't end up being the, um, oh, I've lost the word for it. No, I have to, you have to come back to me. I lost the list. So is it, what, what are you trying to speak to though? Like, is it like we have to be mindful of being like, well, if they can do it, you can all do it sort of thing? Or we, we, we don't want to end up what, we don't want to end up doing what they did to us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. We don't want to do that to others. That's definitely like a... You know, and sometimes, I'm not going to lie, and there's probably a few people that won't agree with me here, but sometimes I feel with some of our whanau, we, we uh, it's, it's a little bit too much. If, you know, if that kind of makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. But. So like how you talked before about planting seeds, yeah. like sometimes you think people kind of throw a bit too much on people at once and it puts them off, or... Um, the, thing I'm, the thing I kind of get concerned about, and I only say this now because it might help kind of you find that word or what you're after. The big thing that I'm finding that's real interesting, right, is that we've been, we, uh, Māori for a long time have been wanting, like say a seat at the table, or a conversation to be had, or for te reo to be included in schools and all these things. And there's certain people that are kind of like, oh, nah, why should we do that now mm-hmm. after all the time I've been denied? Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, like, it's interesting to watch as well. So, okay, we've been wanting to, like, they finally want to meet us in some areas, but you're holding back now. So Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and everyone's entitled to their own... Like journey and mahi and thoughts and opinions and stuff like that, but I just wanted to express, I guess, that that is something that has been coming up a lot that I that makes me ponder. Yeah, a lot at the moment is like you know, like the whole cultural appropriation thingy, right? Like, if how do you define or what's the criteria for when they generally want to be a part of it and learn and know to us going, no, nah, you're just trying to use us. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. So there's some there's some good things. Like I think we're progressing in the right way. We just got to be mindful that we don't. Um, yeah, I'm, I've lost the word. You're going to think yeah. of it at 4 a.m. Yeah, in the morning yeah, and give me a ring. But it's yeah. I just don't want us to be on the other foot. If that kind of makes sense, I don't like. I don't want other people to feel uncomfortable, like we felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Because that's not how we are as Maori either. Mm. We got to we we uffy and we totoko and and there's going to be those nasty ones that won't want change and stuff like that. And, you know, we got to look past them and keep moving forward. But we don't want to be yeah. We don't want to. Don't want to be hypocritical. Because we were segregated, eh? We were, we were, we were, you know, we were left out to dry type thing. You know what I mean? And we don't want to. Now that we're getting some real awesome progression as Maori, we don't want to lead others out to drive. If that kind of makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So just keeping that in mind in everything that we do, that um, although we're Maori and we're proud and that's and that's great, we're, we're still human beings too, eh? We're still, you know. Yeah. So you've mentioned as well, bro, like uh, quite a few times actually throughout the quarter that you had a real kind of dark period or dark patch yeah how, how did that come about like obviously speak to what you can and you don't have to speak to what you don't want to but um yeah so like when i was younger i struggled with obviously my identity my color and all that kind of jazz and i think like once i kind of hit teenage years you know like i was that one like when all our boys would have big scraps i'll be the dude at the back going go 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 <laughs> I was a bit of a pussy, you know. When you were kids. Oh, straight up. Yeah, yeah. I, I just and when I look back now, it was purely because I didn't believe in myself, mm. and that's all it was. And so it wasn't until like I went to St Stephen's actually, I had my like first proper scrap, you know, and um, 
And I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not too hard, you know what I mean? <laughs> and it kind of gave me a little bit of confidence and then next minute I moved to another, you know, next minute I was kind of, I kind of ended up in the space when I was, you know, in my 20s and that, like where I was trying to make up for lost time. If that makes sense, so like. So you felt like you were jumping into everything, so well, you could be that guy because yeah. you spent so long, like encouraging and pointing at that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, it was like I needed to prove myself, you know, mm. like not not just to others but to me. Like I can prove myself that I can handle myself. I can prove to myself that I'm I'm proud to tough be and I'm tough and all that. And so I went through this real dark period where I was I was using alcohol quite a lot, you know, drinking a lot and. Literally, excuse my French, but they don't give a fuck about anyone. And like, I'd go out and I'd just fucking let loose. And and I got into a real dark space where I was just drinking, like just drinking my sorrows away. And then, but using my fist to settle things instead of other ways, if that makes sense. So I went for a real dark place. So, so my mates, my mates that know me well in that space and time will know what I'm talking about. But I was I was I was not a nice person in those days. I was a bit of a bit of a shithead, to be honest. When looking back at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, oh, that's just what we do. We go out, we party, go hard, get into a rumble, get into a rumble, play hard, you know, go go again next week, next week, you know. But looking back, it was just a shit period of my life. And the same thing, and I'll go back to it again: the manifestation of thoughts. My thoughts were always to, you know, prove myself and be better than someone else. And then what they all they did was attracted more trouble so I was like just trouble kept coming to me it was just non-stop bro mm. and I was just like went through all this shit and I like like I look at my hands and my uh, fingers and my arms now and I just got like, scars everywhere and it's all from being on the piss being an idiot bro hence why I stopped drinking 14 months ago you know because I just every every ounce of shit that happened in my life most of it was all alcohol related and I used that as a vice to bring out all my crap you know, because I didn't care. Literally, didn't care, bro. I didn't care what my wife thought, my parents, my family, my friends. I just did whatever I wanted to do, and I didn't give two hoots. So tell me about your last fourteen months. Then no alcohol. How how did that? Like, was it ever tough at one point? Or you strike me as someone that, bro, once your mind's made up, your mind's made up. So maybe it's yes, been easy. Nah, but that's how? literally what happened. So leading up, you know, all these signs were telling me to stop, and then um. It's been so easy, bro. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I just... That's how I roll, bro. Mm. If I do something, I'm all in. Or I, I, I can't be half-assed with stuff. I've got to be all in or all out. So it's even like going to the gym, bro. Like, last month, I've done nothing. But before that, I was going, like, five days a week. You know what I mean? It's not one or two days. Yeah. <laughs> it's just how I roll. So, um, yeah, I made that. And what got me started with the, with the whole uh, stopping alcohol thing is, like, you know... Um, it was a couple of things actually. One was the grand final last year for the rugby club rugby sponsored one, and I fucking I got plastered, bro. Like I got a because my mate was the CEO of Taranaki Rugby. He gave me box seats with all the coastal crew, and I was me and Sammy Kelly and got wasted, and I was a mess, bro. Like like I can't even remember anything. But my wife freaking she come in at like eleven, and I was just in the corner like just a slob, bro. You know, and so that got me thinking like. Here I am doing the stuff in the community, positive stuff, helping Dungatahi and that, and there I am as a slob, pissed as a fart in the corner, mm. making a dick of myself. So all those things I'm doing really good could do 100 things, you know, 99 things right, one thing wrong, can ruin everything. Yeah. So it got me thinking, and then anyway, I got on the piss the next weekend, I was with my cousins, 
And then we had this quite heated debate about drugs, you know. As we know, we've all got a couple of friends that are on drugs or whatever, or, you know, heading down that path, which is sad. Um, so we got in a heated debate, and I'm talking about P, saying how it's the worst drug in the world, da da da, da. And my cousin, who I, who I respect um, immensely, kind of hit me up. He said, well, actually, bro, you you take the worst drug there is. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? Like, Alcohol. Nah, like, uh, next minute, big debate, you know. Alcohol's not a drug, alcohol's not a drug. But the way he explained it to me, he was on money, you know, like in terms of stats and like everything that comes with alcohol. He's like, bro, it's... Behaviour. Behaviour, um, domestic violence, everything. Like alcohol, you know, and he just said, it's just because it's legalised, it's it's all right, but it's actually not, you know. So he put this real good case in where this is like four in the morning when we're drinking, but it really got me thinking, bro, and he, he kind of put me in my place in terms of the, you know, the, the, the discussion we were having, and, and it got me thinking. Then I literally was sitting in bed, like, hung over his, and I just started thinking. And I looked at all my scars all over me, and I thought about the weekend before and that weekend, and I thought, bro, and, and, you know, my kids, all the shit that they've been through, the time, like, you know, as you get older, you drink, you're bloody in bed for, like, you're knackered, bro. You know, you can't function properly. So I just started thinking about that, and I just basically said, that's it. And my family was like, oh, here you go again, saying that's so, it, you know, great support. Yeah, whatever, you've said it heaps of times before, but this time I literally just stopped, and I haven't had a job since. And I thought it might be a little bit tougher. I had one of my mates, Sammy Bennett, come, like, every now and then he'd bring a box of beers over, you know. Coming over, bro, about three months in, he rings me and I'm like oh I seen his name come up I'm like oh no how am I going to tell him because he's like a straight shooter now he's like oh, no, harden up you know like, how am I going to tell him I thought nah give it a go rang up I'm coming over for a beer what do you want bro I said oh bro I don't drink anymore and I'm waiting for it and then he goes all good, all good, I'll get you some of those zeros, I'll be there soon. <laughs> oh, are you sweet, just yeah. straight up. Because I thought I would start losing all my mates. Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, and then he'd come over and we sat there for like two or three hours just talking, drinking well, It's zeros. like the job application thing, right? Like, we make it harder oh, in our head, like, our we create the boogeyman, we don't even see it, but nah. it's scary to us yeah, yeah. because that's just the story we tell us. Hard out, bro. So that gave me a lease of life. I was like, bro, I can still sit with my mate, combo, I don't need a drink. And then, like, I was set from there, bro. So we, like, had family reunion at Christmas and all the fun. They'd come over after the reunion was finished for a drink. And I just, I had, I was dancing, having fun, you know, like. And it just kind of come to me that alcohol was full of shit, man. I don't even need it. Mm. And, like, and I've never felt better. Like, my body feels better. I feel clearer. I'm more onto it. I'm just, bro, I don't miss it at all. And one thing that stuck for me about halfway through was my son said to me, um, Kahu said, you know what, Dad, I like it how you don't drink anymore. I get to spend more time with you. Bro, that's it in a nutshell, really, isn't it? Yeah, winning. So I just, what more do you need? Yeah, so I don't drink anymore. And I, bro, I love it. It's mean. And so like, I'll go and socialise or whatever. And once people start going cross-eyed, I'll just go home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's quite funny being on the other side there. That's, that's what funny, I bro. Like, bro. I mean, I'm quite a bit, like, obviously you and my brother are good mates, but I'm a little bit younger than you fellas, so I can't remember seeing anything too stupid, but it's just funny, like, to me, you were never, I've never seen you, like, be that guy in terms of being hammered, but you were always one of the last ones there. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 you know, you were always the last one, like, you know. <laughs> Had to be the last. He's there singing or whatever yeah, we're doing yeah. at the end, you were yeah. always there at the yeah. end. So, like, to... To know that you kind of see people getting a bit sideways and you're like, okay, I'm out skis for me, that's crack up, that's yeah, why I laugh. Yeah, hard out, yeah. hard out. And I used to be like, I was a bit of an out of a drunk, you know, like 
if I was with a really good crowd, positive crowd, I could be like a real cool drunk, like have fun. Yep. But then, yeah, if I get around the wrong people with the wrong vibes, I, I, I could turn into. I honestly think that's in a lot of yeah, us, bro. Yeah, like, so. like you're you, you're kidding yourself if you don't think your environment influences oh. you when you're in your most vulnerable stages. Hard out, bro. Which is a lot of the time includes when we're or is when we're under the influence yep. of drugs Hard and alcohol out. and shit like that. Hard out. So if I like, it was quite funny because my kids are like, uh, my daughter with her with her baby, my muckle was like. You're never gonna see Koro drink like we did. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine your daughter saying that too. Dude, She's I'm cracking up. up. I'm like, yeah, true, that's awesome. Like, so if my kids don't, you know, my grandchildren don't see it, then that's hopefully I've done something that can help them too to realise that it's not because my whole family, that's what we were raised with, you know. Mm. Well, we Every spoke about it, bro. You know, yeah. that's what the community used to. Yeah, yeah. Everyone right, come bang. together, flagons and roads, just because you mentioned days. the bra- you mentioned the breakwater, bro. Like I, was, I've got mates that I met from being in that parking lot because yeah. their parents would rock up there and then yeah, they'd go inside the yeah. and they'll just come out every like two hours with a bag of chips and like maybe a box of tangy yeah. fruits or whatever yeah, I've done that, and yeah. some of those mates bro like that I met go oh what's your name from yeah. across the car I'm still mates with them to yeah, this day bro hard out, hard but out. so while we can acknowledge that those places obviously gave a sense of community in some ways yeah, we know that it, we know that it normalised a lot of bad behaviour yeah, as well yeah no you are right you are right so you get there's the good and the bad you know to, to everything eh yeah but um yeah no it's good bro like don't miss it. And, and it's, my, my hope is that it can be a flow. Like, I've got one of my aunties, or a couple of my aunties, actually, that stopped drinking. They were heavy drinkers. Mm. And so they've, they've kind of led the way in our family because alcohol's been big in our family. And, and, you know, for our generation, I kind of, I was real keen to try and do that for my cousins and that. To, well, for myself, first and foremost, and my, fam- and my wife and kids, but for my family to see that it's not needed. Um, so I hope that that rubs off on them in time. You know, everyone has a time, eh? Everyone has a time and a journey. And you don't want to force it upon anyone, you know. But same old thing, just plant the seed, you know. Oh, because he's done it, you know. So with the hope that, like, for instance, Alfano, like, we went up the Maunga like a month ago, right? Mm. 60 of us. We organised, like, 50 or 60 of us. We all went up the Maunga, and we just went for a day out walking the tracks. Bro, unheard of 10 yeah. years ago. Bro, it's like, instead it would have been three days on the piss. <laughs> you know, like, like literally, bro. Yep. So just changing that mindset and, and why we come together as whānau, it's not always about the drink. It's not always about death. You know, it's about other stuff, you know. Yeah. So. Changing those habits, eh? Oh, bro, Shifting fine. those culture, the, that stuff that makes the, the cultural habits of your whānau. Hard out. Yeah, hard out, most definitely. So good changes, brother. Mean. Good changes. Well, I was meant to ask before, but I forgot, and it's a bit of a, this is probably the worst segue of all time, but I, I want to know, bro, um, we mentioned before etu. Yeah. Now, for me, like growing up as like a little fella and you guys are a little bit older and stuff like you and him are kind of synonymous yeah. like not that you were always together but for me as a kid when I think of one I think of the other and to me like your fella's relationship was pretty special yeah, growing up yeah, yeah. I'll be interested to know like um, what was your first experience like meeting him and what's he taught you yeah, like yes. and, and you know like if you can kind of elaborate. and for those because we have a lot of people bro, that don't know Itu if you can kind of explain yeah. who he is and stuff oh, so, well. so Itu like he's been at the pool for ooh it'd be bloody 25 years eh easy so he works at the pools Itu's down there um, Itu's got a bit of a stutter um, you know so everyone kind of knows Itu he's like oh yeah. Itu the, the stutter and the moustache the moustache he's a cool cat man um, but they were brought up just up the road in Inglewood from us so oh, so you've it, known him since then. So that's where it started. So ah. my, when he was young, when he was young, my dad and mum used to take them in. 
Like, so they lived about four houses up. So they'd be over our house all the time. And that's where it started. So they used, my mum and dad used to babysit them. So then when we moved to town, and Etu eventually moved to town, he moved in with us. Mm. And so mum and dad helped look after Oh, them. I didn't realise you lived together. Yeah. I thought you just lived in that little hub of those flats that were there. Yeah, no, 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 yeah, sorry, sorry. Um, he lived in the flat. Oh, yeah. There was times where he stayed with us before in between and oh, stuff like okay. that. Yeah. But yeah, it all started in Inglewood. Okay. Yeah, so he, and so like we spent a lot of time together. Mum and dad kind of took him under their wing and, you know, kind of like another son really. Mm. And, and it's kind of always been like that. So he actually, I must have called from him the other day, I've got to call him back actually. We went over to his house for dinner not long ago, just to catch up. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, he's awesome bro. So he, 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 he helps like, and that's another thing, you know, with mum and dad taking in Etu and, you know, because he lost his brother, mm. he lost his dad to his mum still around. But you know, he had a bit of a tough life, so um, it's another thing that mum and dad kind of planted as well, you know, like looking after, you know, people like you too and others. So um, it just gives you that appreciation, eh, for life and and for, for caring for anybody, regardless of what they, you know, um, what they may have or, you know, um, even like with Machu, Maddie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like known him for years too, and, you know, just, I, I just love being around, like, you know, those people that just are awesome, bro. I mean, they help you. They help you really, you know, respect and love life and are cool. Whenever I see you two, bro, it's the first thing you ask me. He's like, oh, you sing Wayne? <laughs> so every time I see him, I'm just stoked you know who I am, bro. Because, like, I didn't, I, you know, as I say, like, you and my older brother, you guys hung out and stuff. I was just the little toy in the background. But I'm stoked that he knows that I know you sort of thing, bro. So whenever I see him, he's just like, oh, have you seen Wayne? I'm like, oh, not in a while, bro. I remember at the pools when he used to be up on my high, just like, and all us boys would go down there and, like, you know, he'd be in the middle telling everyone to stop and go, you know, like, and then I'd be like, hey, two, over there, like, the man, he'd be watching that way, and then I'd start running on the, and he's like, da-da, da-da, way, 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 way. Well, I remember doing that sort of stuff. I must have got that from you fellas, because oh, I remember the, doing yeah, that. used to do it I remember you. doing that stuff to him, and then other people would be like, you're sad to him. I'm like, no, nah, I know him, he's so yeah, good. He's, nah, so he's good. He's like, oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're going to get, get, get me in trouble, eh? No, he's convenient. Bro, you mentioned that you and your whānau went up the Maunga uh, not long ago. We had a bit of a, uh, a workshop, I guess. I'm not too sure what to call yeah. it. We had a hikoi up there last weekend. Um, how was your experience with that? Yeah, no, that was, that was another level, eh? Like, Tane, like me, you know, me and Tane, I know you and Tane are really close, and we, we, we talk a lot, you know, we catch up a lot, and he's kind of been trying to pull me along to a few of these for a while now, and, and I've always been open to them, but it's just timing and stuff, you know. Um, so it was funny, actually, because when he rang me, he goes, bro, we're going to do the sequel, and I want you to be there. I'm like, oh, fuck. Because, like, this time of the year is the busiest time for me. Like, I have footy most nights and most weekends. All my weekends are booked out for the next two months. And so he's like, bro, we need it. We need to do it. We want to do it soon. And I'm like, bro, I literally, like, only got one day that I could possibly change because I had a fundraiser that day that I had to change. And he goes, well, let's do it. Like, you know, book it. And then, and then so as soon as I told him I'd have that day, that's when he locked in that date. Oh, uh, yeah. He goes, you're coming, you know. And I was like, oh, it's done now. So, um, yeah, went up, you know, went up with an open mind, but I suppose I was, when I was up there, I was still a little bit, like anything, still a little bit like, mm, how's this going to play out, you know? Because, of, like, I'd stopped drinking for 14 months, like, I thought, like, because I've been feeling real good, bro, and I thought, I was sweet, I'm all good, there's nothing. Uh, you sound like me when I went yeah, on my first one. Bro, and I was just like, you yeah, know, nah, I'm all good, I'm all good. Um, 
and then wow, all sorts of stuff just kind of came out. Like I thought I'd healed, but I, I hadn't. It was kind of like, I must have like had like surface healing, not deep healing. Mm. So when we went up the mowing and we went to the different spots um, for different, you know, different exercises, it was really unique in the sense that each each spot had a kind of uniqueness to it and it tapped into a few different areas for me personally. Um, and even the way you explained it, bro, like what I loved about um, the Taranaki Hikwe, because I've done Waitere Falls in Hamilton, uh, Bethel's Beach in Auckland, so I've done this, oh, yeah. I've done this hikwe at different oh, places true. around the country. This is our first time we're able to do one here in Taranaki. And what I loved is, which, you know, was serendipitous and kind of just worked out everything, because you were like our our yeah. guide for the day in yeah. terms of um, explaining the whakapapa of each place. Yeah. Each exercise or workshop we've done at those spots suited what has oh. traditionally happened at those spots. Oh, true. You know, when you talk about, you know, te reo o noke yeah. and, you know, a, a warrior yeah. who was there, like we, what we did there, like in terms of our primal string, was warrior-esque. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sitting where... Meditation. Yeah, like, doing our meditation where yeah. a lot of tohunga, or whatever you want to call them, used to come to get their guides, their visions, and their connection. That's the stuff that we did there. Bro. So bro, it, was, it was cool. It was, like, as you were explaining them, bro, I was buzzing out like... For something that, and I don't want to break the mystique for boys that are listening from that hikwe that thought that was well thought out and planned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That was that was serendipitous and impromptu, and obviously meant to be, right? Yeah, yeah. The way that it, the way that it kind of unraveled itself was meant to be, and the way in which where we went first, we were, you know, the, the the track that we took, the places that we we done our exercises, bro. Just the whole day was just like on point bro like I could sit here for an hour and explain like the little you know the tohu that come like the signs that showed all along that whole day signs that just popped up bro to kind of remind us of this awesome space that we're in and affirm that we're meant to be there right we're meant to be there most definitely and that the first one for me right is like how beautiful the morning was and how it just opened up. And it was meant to be shit. It was meant to be shit. The whole week it was meant to be shit. We go and park ourselves right in the middle of the road (laughs) in the most busiest spot. At that that time of the morning, bro, with that type of morning, is normally chock-a-block, bro. And we got, like, one car come through and we were in the road for almost an hour. So to me, I I felt, I knew that straight away. I was like, bro, there's no cars. Like, one or two cars come through. Bro, that's supposed to be our space. So to me, that right from the get-go, I was like, yeah, this is meant to be happening. We on. We on, bro. And then straight away, obviously, with the first exercises, I just, I broke down straight away. So I was like, holy heck, you know. Um, But for me, massive experience, and I was still a little bit heavy on Sunday after it because it was quite traumatic. Yeah, bro, you can use the word, yeah. Yeah, traumatic in a lot of ways. so I was still quite heavy on Sunday, um, but come Monday, bro, I woke up like a total different dude. I was like, Fuck. I was out of this world. I was even like thinking to myself, what are you up to, bro? <laughs> <laughs> and then even Tuesday and Wednesday, and I've been like that like all week, you know, like I've kind of, I've settled down a little bit now, but those first two days, I was like, whoa, bro, yeah. I'm on cloud nine, you know? But I got rid of a lot of deep shit that was some of it mine but a lot of it generational 
mum wired that's been in our whanau for a long time, which I won't delve deep into, but yep. it was pretty... Um, He'll speak to you about it if you've asked him one-on-one, probably, but it's pretty, time, and a, time and a place. Pretty deep shit, eh? Like, I know uh, there'll be people listening as well, absolutely screaming at their computers or stereos and stuff, wanting to know more details about how it all works, but honestly, we can't really... Yeah explain it to you but only because it paints a certain picture and then that you decide then or there whether you're meant to be there or not yeah. whereas actually coming up and being involved lets you decide then and there yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the hardest thing it's been a part of these hikawi for like 18 months now or however long I've been helping, been a part of it for um, it's the hardest part is trying to explain it to people it is it is <laughs> and you would have had that bro because everyone's been hitting you up I imagine yeah they have and, and you know for, for the ones that have rung me like I've talked to them about the experience because they're, they're open well, that's why they run because they want to know. Um, so I've talked to them about the experience that I've been through and, and because they want it. Um, but, yeah, it is, it's hard to explain that. Mm. Like, yeah. But you, you'd be happy to have come on board again or...? Oh, hard out. Yeah, yeah most definitely. Like, I've already got, like like I said, people have been getting in contact with me, um, men and women, um, to, to, you know, to... When's the next one? Yeah, yeah. Like, yep. So I'm, I'm there to offer you support because I know what it's done for me. Yep. And I know what it's done for the boys that I took up with me too. That I'm yeah, how's that been? Because oh, well, I haven't caught up with them since and I'm, I'm interested to know because they're probably some of the youngest I've seen at these things, like thereabouts. Because how old were those boys? 14. Yeah, so I think they probably are the youngest yeah. or equal to the youngest that I've ever seen. I think on in Hamilton we had a couple 14-year-olds. Yeah. How How's there? Well, what, what changes have you seen it's in changed, them? changed. Like, we've talked about it quite a lot all week. Mm. It's changed their whole thought system. Like, literally, bro. Like, that change kids, bro. That's way different. They're way more... Um, they've talked a lot about not being so tense. They're a lot looser. <clears throat> They're just... Um, They've got a better understanding on life, like their purpose, mm. you know, what they're meant to be here for and stuff like that. So they've, and they've, they've just let go of a lot of stuff. And I knew that's why I took them there, bro. I took five of them, but a lot of, like, and this is what a lot of the boys touched on, especially Tani, that there was the most empowering thing of the weekend he felt was seeing the pain and the hurt that these young boys were going through. Yep. Through our, um, <laughs> Uh, forgiveness letter, you know, like to see that, to probably have the most writing on the paper, to be one of the last ones still writing when everyone else is finished, just shows that us as kids, like when we're kids and when, you know, there's an here, there's youth, there's a lot of shit they've already been through, bro. Yep. Pain and trauma. Yeah, age is by no way means a representation or a measurement uh, of the shit you go through. Nah, so you imagine if like we all had that when we were younger, you know what I mean? How it could open you up for, for the world. Yep. And I suppose that to me that was that was one of the most emotional things of the weekend was seeing that in, in my boys, you know, like seeing that pain and hurt, but them letting it go. Yep. Because they've come back for I mean, bro. And they're talking to their mates at school and like, bro, he's got to do it. There's already other, like, rangatahi that want to come and do it too that really need it. Cool. So if we can start this wave of, like, just helping heal our kids, then, bro, imagine what men they're going to be when they get older. Wow. They're going to be neck level, bro, if they're in tune with themselves, you know? Yeah. So that's where it starts, bro. Mean, bro. Last question that I'll ask, um... And it's the, it's the only question I guess I make sure I ask every guest who appears. Mm. But there's someone listening right now who's a bit in a bit of a dark spot, going through a rough time. What would your what would your bearing in mind? You're not a mental health professional, but mm. what sort of advice would you give to help them climb out of that? Um, 
You can be as long or as little as you like. It doesn't have to be. Sometimes uh, it sounds a bit rough, but sometimes you gotta like. That's the right words. Harder than fuck up sometimes, like, and I don't mean that in a way where I'm trying to like. You just gotta. Uh, what's the right word for it? Nah, that's the wrong word. But you've just gotta. Um, Get the F up and do something about it, you know, like, yep. stop sitting and, like... Waiting for something to happen. The more we sit there and we, like, when you're in those moments... So, like, for me, when I was in that deep state of depression in Australia, I was just sitting there wallowing in self-pity. Everything's my fault, everything, everyone else's fault. You're in this real bad rut. You've actually... You've, you've just got to make a f- decision. Just get out, bro. You've got to. And that's, like, that's how I changed my whole mindset. I literally woke up and said, enough's enough. I'm not putting myself through this pain anymore. Forgive yourself for whatever you've done, because if you're holding on to shit, it's just, it makes, it just drags you down, bro. So just man up, acknowledge your faults, acknowledge what you're doing wrong. You know, don't, you can't, the key is you can't blame everyone else. Like, like too many people in this world blame everyone else. Everyone's cutting each other down and all that stuff. You've got to have a look in the mirror, bro. You gotta really look in the mirror, and I, I talk, I mean like a deep look, and start checking yourself, man. What are you doing? What are you doing wrong? Are you being the best version of you? Are you doing everything right? Every time your kid looks you, watch every move. When your kid's watching your every move, are you a good role model? You know, are you like, are you putting into that kid? Are you giving that that child or that, that one of your kids around or, or friends or whoever around? Are you leaving a, a positive impression on their life? Or are you showing them weakness? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, you just, I think sometimes in life we just gotta look ourselves in the mirror. You gotta acknowledge fault. It's one of the most important things. A lot of people don't acknowledge fault. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging fault. A massive weight comes off your shoulders if you acknowledge fault. Because it's all part of the process, it's all part of learning. We all make mistakes. But acknowledge it, front it, get up, stand the F up, and be accountable for it, you know, and move forward, move forward. So that's kind of what, that's what helped me. As I made a decision, you've got to make a decision and you've got to stick with it. You've got to, you've got to go from it. It's hard because everyone's in different positions. Like everyone can, ha- some people can handle that stuff, some people can't. So there's not one answer for all, yep. you know, there's, but for me personally, that's what's helped me. You've got to look yourself in the mirror. You've got to acknowledge fault. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to move on, bro. It's that simple. Otherwise your whole life, bro, like, Every minute, every hour, every breath, you know, like, live life, man. Wow. Live life. Yeah, hard. But it's been mean catching up with you and talking to you like this. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, you're, you're someone I've grown up with, and I know my brother um, holds you in a very special place. Even my parents, bro, like, my parents always ask how you are. Oh, uh, they always ask how you are and, and what you're up to and if I've bumped into you. So, yeah, man, we're coming up to two hours. Wow. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. together having a yarn. <laughs> But, but it's been mean and uh, I, I got a feeling. No alcohol, too. <laughs> yeah. We'll probably be doing another one of these yeah. again soon. Hard, hard. Sweet, bro. Thank you. Mean. Thank you, brother. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I honestly feel like I say this every episode, but that has to be one of my favorites. You probably picked up uh, throughout that quarter. I don't know if we directly said it, but. 
I've known this fella for a very, very long time. He's a very good friend of my brother's and someone I definitely looked up to growing up. My parents absolutely adore that man. So Caps, awesome catching up with you, bro, and awesome getting to know you uh, a whole lot better and filling in some holes, I guess, uh, in terms of your story from from my perspective and, and knowing you growing up. So it's been very cool, bro. It was a all that I'll definitely keep close to me for the rest of my days. And I'll be re-listening to that one over and over and over. It's Iwi Whanui. It's been awesome having you here with us this afternoon, evening, morning, whatever time of day it is for you. And I look forward to seeing you next episode. That right there, though, Wayne Kappa, a.k.a. Caps, from Te Kahui or Taranaki. He is Te Kaitiaki, the guardian around our maunga here in Taranaki. And as you heard there, he's looking to set up shop at a piece of whenua down on the coast. So... I'm sure you'll be hearing more about that one. But that is us for now. I'll catch you next episode right here on Best Side.